XM 105, Sirius 206, the Opie and Anthony Channel. The Ron and Fez Show starts right now. Okay, let's get down to it, boppers. Hey, buddies, it's Ron and Fez show. We will get to our Black Friday music shortly, uh, but we are waiting for a guest to pop in. Uh, Rob Riggle, the very, very funny comedian, actor, correspondent for uh, the John Stewart get-together, Saturday Night Live guy, all-around funny man. And is he a UCB alumni? Yes, he is. His pictures are all over the wall at the theater there. Okay, I didn't know what that meant. I don't know what the pictures all over the wall. It means it means he's he's highly regarded there at the theater. All right, so you know what that means, Fred. Today, first time ever, you are going to greet the guests. Whoa, really? Now, how do you do in that situation? Um, I I guess I get a little nervous. I I'm not very. What do you plan on saying to him? Hey, hi, Rob Riggle. My name's Matt. Uh, uh, I'm also good. a UCB guy. I, all right, I don't, let's be... not make it all about you, Fred. I know that you want to graduate and move on to Saturday Night Live and The Daily Show blah, 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 and The Onion and, and all these shows. Just be loved by should, everybody. Should I but, ask him if we should be friends? or? Why don't you do that after? Let's see how okay. it goes first. All right. Uh, I also have to make... An announcement about Mr. Watley today. Uh, we are what? One week out from Fez Watley? One week exactly. Um, I went and visited Fez last night. He had some chest pains and sat at his house for three hours until I woke up and told him to go to the hospital. Uh, he went there, was doing testing. I was there with him last night. Fez Watley has three, count them, three Brand new stents in his heart. Oh, fuck. Wow. One week after coming out. The three plus the previous two gives him five. A five-time heart stent. It's like Jeter. This has to be some kind of... He is kind of the Jeter of the heart. <laughs> All I can picture is like some kind of pin cushion that just gets more and more pins stuck in it. Three and a fucking one shot. Three and one shot. Oh, Christ Almighty. Um, I this hospital was it was like being in a movie. I went to so many floors before I could find them, <laughs> and because you know, like they keep moving them around and stuff. Yeah. And I'm actually in the middle of the cardiac thing when they finally pushed them in there. After I'm in, you know, looking for them for hours. Wandering around. It's basically amazing there. Let me just tell you. At certain points, your imagination runs away, and I'm like, where's his body? Just let me look at his body. That's going to the basement, then. Yeah. <laughs> I said, let me go down to the morgue, just look through and see if I know anybody. So uh, we will have him uh, on the air a little later on in the show. But Fez Watley, an amazing five-step man. Jesus H. Christ, that's a lot of fucking stents. It is. I didn't think. I thought maybe. I thought it was going to be heartburn. I thought it was going to be. But with five, three stents. Here's the problem. Every time this guy gets heartburn, he should go to the hospital. 
There's no doubt about it. That's it. And I was able to tell him in recovery while he was laying there with the tubes and all. Uh, and by the way, they did not go through his leg. All right. They went through his wrist. Oh, shit. He had this big, weird thing in his wrist last night. That's which, creepy. After you remember the, the crazy fucking pictures we looked at, I got obsessed with it. Uh, uh, all right. We will have Fez on a little later on the show. Two new movies coming out. Uh, one is 21 Jump Street, which has crazy buzz on it right now. Two, the Lorax. The Lorax uh, will be here. And I want to remind all of the first responders, it's at Rob Riggle on Twitter. At Rob Riggle on Twitter, and you'll be able to find that link uh, over on the iBank. Uh, let's bring him in, Rob Riggle. Movies coming out right now uh, with Rob Riggle. How, how you doing, man? Good. Congratulations. You? Thank you. Did you get your picture with Elvis Costello last night? Thank uh, you. I did. How'd you know I was so hungry for that? I watched television. I could see a television <laughs> at my house. You don't remember that you brought it up on Fallon? I, oh, I guess I did. Yes. I, <laughs> I, you know, those things go by so fast yeah. that you just, I, I got done with that interview and I was like, did we say anything? I don't even remember what I said. But I, I did. I did get my picture with him. Uh, you're a longtime fan of his? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. I love his music. He's such he's got such a unique and awesome voice and uh I could listen to his songs are the most awesome songs to drive down the highway to. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are. But I thought it was funny cuz I never saw anyone on a talk show say I'm getting my picture taken. No, no, I think you even said no matter what he no, thinks or something. Yeah, I don't care if he liked it or not. I was <laughs> yeah. getting my picture. Even if I had to photobomb him and somebody else, I was getting in on a picture. It'll be you and Elvis Costello and just like a headlock. <laughs> and you're squeezing it tight. His hat's coming off and I'm like, just stand still. Yeah. Oh. So when you do uh, a late night show like that, it feels just like, because it's like six minutes or something, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Like six or seven minutes tops. Yeah. Um, so it flies by. It just, I, you know, you, you tell one story and then they're like, and we're out. And you're right. Like, well, I didn't even, we didn't even talk about anything. Well, this is what kills me. They're playing Pictionary for 20 minutes before you come out. And I'm like, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then when you can't, who is the, how do you not draw a moon first right. when you're doing moonwalk? Yeah, that was And then when you draw off. the moon, she drew a big circle right. and colored it in. I was like, that could be a pizza pie. Who knows what that is? Draw a crescent moon. Oh, she was killing me. We were, yeah. all, we were all in the green room going, draw a moon! Yeah. Draw a moon! <laughs> Uh, this is great times for you, though, huh? Yeah, With these absolutely. Films coming out yeah, one yeah. after another. Yeah, it, it's just weird how it came that way. You know, mm -hmm. they, you film them separately and at random times, and then they just kind of all landed at the same time. So, right. Because I had Big Miracle come out a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. and that I was in, and then uh, now the Lorax coming out today, 
Uh, and then uh, 21 Jump Street coming out March 16th. So it's just all, they all just kind of landed. At the now, the time. funny thing, 21 Jump Street, like, I remember when it was announced, there was like, oh, what are we doing? And now the buzz is through the roof. Everybody is saying this is going to end up funniest film of the year. And again, I don't know what magic this Jonah Hill has yeah. in his life, yeah. but it's just phenomenal how well this kid does. Well, I'll tell you, it's talent. Yeah. He is a talent. You know, you can't take away what's there. It can't be denied. Right. Um, and he is a wildly talented man. He is but, funny. He is creative, uh, supportive. That's why he's a great producer, a great writer, and a great star, you know? It's such a tough thing with comedy, though, because there's so many funny people who work real hard on movies, and they don't quite make it. Mm-hmm. And that this kid just keeps one after another after yeah. another. He's just nailing it. Yeah. Well, he's um, he's got he's got the gift. He yeah. knows he knows what's funny. He knows what works. Uh, he knows how to bring out the best in other people, not only himself. And uh, uh, you know he uh, he takes a, he takes a leadership role, which I think that also helps. He steps up and says, "Let's do it this way." Well, that's the thing about your career too is you really get to make films with a lot of people who are, you know, got real stroke right now, too. Sure, yeah. Saw you with Hanks and, uh, of course, the Farrell stuff. Just so many people that you've worked with. I've been very fortunate uh, that I... Well, I'm fortunate, one, that I'm working. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll take that any day of the week, really. Uh, But I've also been very fortunate in the sense that I get to work with great people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the way when you worked with Jon Stewart, when you were on that show... And it just was going so well for you. And then you walk away from it. Is that a crazy thing to do? Does no. it feel nuts? Well, the backstory on that is yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like uh all right, I'm out. I'm yeah. gonna go I'm gonna go conquer Hollywood. Thanks, you know, peace, memories. Yeah. No, I the, what people don't know is the entire three years that I was on the Daily Show, I was commuting long distance to my family mm-hmm. who was still in Los Angeles. So, you know, three years of separation with the family was enough, and we hit our breaking point. Not a, We didn't break up or anything, but we just hit that point where we, we, I had to go home. I yeah. had to go home. So, so uh, you know, and people were like, well, why don't you just move the family out here? Well, the way it works was when you start at The Daily Show, they, you, you start for a six-month probationary period to see if you're going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you get another six months. So your first year on the show is all pretty much probation. Then after that, that you know, the, you're starting your second year. Then you get a year contract, but it's only for a year. Yeah. And Comedy Central doesn't pay a whole lot, um, you know. So it it it, it, it was very difficult because after SNL, I had moved the whole family out to Los Angeles. Yeah. And we just didn't have the money to get back here. <laughs> and uh, and if I was on, you never knew for the first year I was going to be on probation, and then on the next year. So we, it just by the time we got done with the third year, I was like, let's. I'm, I'm coming home. That's it. Yeah. Uh, was it weird to walk away from that, though, when you know you were so well-received, when you know it was working so well? Um, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I really loved my time there. And, and the good thing was I left on great terms. When I, yeah. went, when I went to John and said, John, I, I got to go home, you know, he just looked at me and said, I don't know how you did it this long. Right. You know, and, and, and he was very kind. Um, I, I, they're very nice. They always say, come on back anytime. You, you want to play? You yeah. want to, you know hang out, you want to do a field piece, whatever, we'll, we can, we'll play with you. Well, and, the, and I did, actually, when I was back, we were promoting the other guys, and Will Ferrell was yeah. the guest, and I went with Will just to hang out and say hi to old friends at the show. And uh, John, you know, saw that I was there because we were talking before the show, and he started doing a bit with Will. 
um, and saying, you know, well, I got to hand it to you. you. You always do a good job of helping out these young actors who really aren't very good. <laughs> and then they showed a clip of me, uh, you know, and Will and, uh, and the other guys. And Will, you know, being an awesome comedian, jumped in. He knew what the bit was. And so he goes, yeah, yeah, this guy was terrible. What were we doing? We could for him. And so, but then John wouldn't let it go. He just kept talking about it. But what he was doing was he was wanting me to walk on because I was just off stage. And I didn't know. I was kind of like, uh, what you know, I, I kind of figured it, but I didn't didn't feel like I had license to walk onto sure. a set. So one of the producers came over and goes, go, go. He wants you to walk on. So I was like, all right. So I, I walked on. I came in behind him while they're ripping me apart. And then they both saw me, and they're like, you know, they froze up, and I was like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, nothing, nothing. And I was like, all right, I'll be right over here if you need me. And they were both like, Ugh. So I mean, he was up for a bit, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a very warm, welcoming place. How great would that have been if they weren't? And was just like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> well, that would have been, been a whole other bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty, though, of I think your kind of comedy is it's always right there on a physical yeah. edge, you know? And you have got this thing down. I don't know where it's like the confidence for almost no reason. Well, like, that's that's what I call it. I, it's a, it's a, a game that I, I love to play in comedy, uh, and I call it arrogant ignorance. <laughs> you know, where you're just large and in charge, <laughs> yeah. and you're totally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you see that in other people? Was that something you picked oh, yeah. up? Oh, yeah. When I was in the Marine Corps, uh -huh. uh, you know, you meet certain people that uh, that are personify that. Right. Um, that's not everybody. I mean, there's, sure. a, there's a lot of real amazing people in the Marine Corps, heroes. Uh, but there, there are also some, sure. some, mor some morons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it is like a corporation, but one with weapons and, you know. <laughs> well, it's a microchasm of society. You yeah. know, when you talk about, you know, you do. You have funny Marines. You got guys, yeah. guys in there I think are hilarious in the Marines. Uh, you got really intelligent Harvard grad types. You've got... Mm. You got Ivy Leaguers. You've got you've got amazing. You run the whole spectrum, including idiots. Yeah. Um, so there, I I could draw from all of them. That's the that is the interesting thing about the Marines because you have guys that you know even came out of West Point and their whole life is this, and then you have other people who were like, hey, I need a place that I can sleep and eat. I'm 18 years old. I don't know where to go, and they get you know this seems better than anything, and then they're thrown into that world. Yeah. You know, yeah. up to that point, they hadn't done anything in their life. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, you know, it's it's the the military in general is just a, a microcosm of our yeah. society. You're going to have great, great people. You're going to have intelligent, motivated, passionate people, real people that make make differences. You yeah, know, make a, make a difference, and then you're going to have some slackers. <laughs> How many people do you hear from that you know knew you from the military in a very non comedic way? Obviously. Oh, everybody I served with. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, yeah. I, but I, you know, I loved everybody I served with. Yeah. I, I was, I had good people and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, I always had good working relationships and, and we were always, we were very good about uh, accomplishing our missions and, and taking care of our business. Another thing with you two is being an alumni of UCB, mm -hmm. which the kid who brought you in today is taking classes there. Hey, good he, for you. He wanted to say it to you, and then I guess he panicked because I said, did you tell him? And he's like, no, 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 I didn't. <laughs> Behind your back. But he's like, your, your pictures are everywhere over there. Well, it's, uh, I, uh, that's where I started, mm -hmm. uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. And, and I have such a, a passion and affinity for that place because it's it's like a home. It's like a second home for me. I, I spent seven years there, you know, doing shows for free. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but I say free, but I, I got what I got out of it was unbelievable stage time and an unbelievable education in sketch comedy and improv in everything yeah. uh, comedy related. I mean, I was so lucky because when I started at the UCB, it was when they first got to New York. Sure. 
And they didn't even have a theater. We, they were renting out a space over like Solo Arts or some you know place that should have been condemned. And um, Amy Poehler was one of my teachers. You know, she was yeah. one of the original four upright citizens. And so I had Ian Roberts, Matt Walsh, Matt Besser, and and Amy Poehler were my teachers. And to have those guys, they're like the kings of comedy and and queens of comedy. And to have them as teachers was such a great gift. And that's before she got into SNL? Was, yeah, it was before yeah. she was on SNL. So when she got that SNL shot mm-hmm. and started to do so well for it, yeah. everybody else is like, holy shit, this is real. We can. Yeah, but, they, and they, but the UCB also had their own television show on Comedy Central, oh, yeah, which, was, right. which was very successful and, and very original and, mm-hmm. and very good. So that, you know, I think that brought a lot of heat to the theater as well. It's just amazing now, because like when I was growing up, it was Second City, mm-hmm. and then it was stand-ups for a long time. But now I really do feel like UCB is the one just pushing so many great people out. It, it really does. It's because it has it sets up a great environment. Mm-hmm. I think I, you you know I the guys that I did improv with uh, at the UCB I still do improv with at the UCB in LA. Yeah. Every Wednesday night we do a show called Facebook. You know. Right. And we just get up and play. We just get up and have fun. It's a great show. We love to exercise those improv muscles and, and get up there and do it and. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And all those guys that I started with, not all of them, but the ones that stuck it out, they're all doing very well right now. And the interesting thing is, like, that that's the, the type of comedy of, like, how do I help the piece? How do I help the other people? Where stand-up is, how can I make my friends look like shitheads? How can I ruin their <laughs> lives? How can I give them the worst introduction I possibly can? Well, I've, I've actually do both now. Yeah. I do both. And, and uh, I, I'm newer, obviously, to the stand-up game because I came up doing improv and sketch. Improv is much more ensemble. It's supportive. Yeah. It, you serve the comedy. That's all. Your only mission is to serve the piece. If that means I'm the straight guy, I'm the straight guy. If that means I'm the crazy guy, you know, I don't come out and say a joke just as for joke's sake because I would ruin the scene. I come out to support the scene or I don't do it. And when you leave the stage, everybody's high-fiving each other going, that was a great move. That was hilarious when you did that. There's a love fest. Yeah. And it's really supportive and feels good. Stand-up. You got you're an outlaw and yeah. you are you are a lone gunman out there and it is you a microphone in the audience. So they have to be a little more that's why they're a little more edgy if you will in the sense of or a cagey. Right. You might say because I get it. You got to be tougher out there. The funniest thing is the one stand up would be killing in the room. Everybody's laughing. The one guy not laughing is the guy on next. He's just sitting there glaring <laughs> just with just hate in his yeah. face at the other guy. That's right. Doing well. Uh so this is terrific for you. When you're doing, when you're walking out into let's say 21 Jump Street, you total confidence now, or every time you get in one of these films is a little nerve wracking. It's, I mean, you, you, I mean, you get more and more confidence. Yeah. Obviously, the more you do it, there's, there's just you can't help it. But at the same time, I, th- I think it's healthy to be a little apprehensive, or it's healthy to have a little anxiety, because it, 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 it keeps you sharp. It yeah. makes you, it makes you really focus on trying to deliver the best you can. So I never want to walk onto a set and go, I got this, or not even think about it. Yeah. I, I want to have a little anxiety about it, because uh, that 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 sharpens the sharpens the tool. I think. Is there any? Is it bigger stars give more anxiety, or smaller films? Where does it come from? It it, it doesn't even bother me who I'm working with. That, yeah. that never gives me anxiety. What gives me anxiety is, do I understand what I'm trying to do? Yeah. And if I understand what I'm trying to do, or what I can bring to this, or um, then that's where I. That's all I care about is if I can, if I can add something to this movie or this character, um, then then I th- I've done my job. Uh, Lorax coming out. Had you done any voiceover stuff? Uh, is that I've, I've never did any voiceover for film. 
Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been on American Dad, Family Guy, right. uh, The Cleveland Show. You know, yeah. I've done animated TV, but never a film. So this is my first feature film uh, uh, animated. Was it a big difference? I mean, is this something like you did quite some time ago? Um, no, I mean, we, we, we've been doing it for a long time. You yeah. know, you do these sessions over for animated, you do them over a year probably. Yeah. Um, cause they're building the animation. And sometimes if you improvise in the, when you're, when you're doing your vocal performance, you know, if you come up with a line that the character would just say, then they have to go back and redo the animation for it, <laughs> you know, so they, they want you to try to stay tight to the script, but sometimes you just come up with something that works Yeah, and they're like, Oh, that was really good. Uh, shit. Yeah, shit. <laughs> we got to go back and redo it. So, um, uh, but I enjoyed the process. It's it, animation is great because you roll out of bed, throw on a baseball cap, you roll down yeah. to the studio. You don't have to worry about you know anything except other than delivering a, a vocal performance. Are the other actors there though? You like you no, work you, work, you work solo. W work alone. You work alone. Well, I mean, when I say you work alone, the, the producers are there yeah. and the directors there to give you the context because they'll say, "All right, you are really." angry about this but in a nervous way and you're like, uh, angry nervous how do i verbalize that and so you you know you just try to do these things and they but they're great because they give you the context and you're mm -hmm. like and i'm like why am i so mad and they have to say well you don't you know two scenes before you know uh, taylor swift's character does this this or that and you're like oh oh well i guess i guess i would react that way or so you know it's just uh they're they're it's a good team good team What's uh, next for you? Is there, is there goals, or are you just going to keep riding this thing? Um, I, you know, I, I, I always, you know, at the beginning of every year, I write down goals. Is that right? Every year I do it, and uh, and I've been pretty good. I've, I've, I've last couple of years, knock on wood, I've, I've hit all my goals. Now, do you? They're just yearly goals, or you do like a five-year plan, a ten-year plan? I have longer range goals, yeah. but uh, and then I have shorter range goals. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but every year when I do the annual goal. Making any would any of your goals just frighten us? Would you just be like world <laughs> domination? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, attain a nuclear weapon. Uh, some of these are, I'll admit, they're out there. Um, no, but I, I do, you know, like I would love to get an opportunity to maybe lead or co lead in a film. Yeah, I would love that. And so, I, I write that down from time to time, and uh, I would love to, uh, you know, uh, uh, be able to uh, write something maybe for television that I could get on the air, something like that. Well, as far as the lead thing, too, it's really interesting to see how many times, like, let's say Will Farrell was playing so many small parts in movies yeah. so many times and gladly yeah. coming in just stealing scenes. And it's really funny now to go back and watch. It was only like, what, 10 years ago yeah. where you're like, wait, you guys had Will Farrell and you only used him three and a half minutes? Yeah. You know, well, so that's the way that's the way this game works. Yeah, you, you you you're given opportunities, and you make the most of them. And if you do a good job, you get another opportunity. Yeah, and if you do a good job, you get another opportunity. It's it's a final exam every time I go to work, because if I fail, maybe I don't get another chance. But if I pass, I get another shot. And so you, you it's a, it, that it's a tough game. And you know, if if uh, it's not for the faint of heart or the thin skinned, um, but I guess that's. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Uh, two films coming out. Uh, you got the Lorax starting uh, today all over the country. And then 21 Jump Street comes out in theaters everywhere Friday, March 16th. Thanks so much for being in, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. And I'll see you next time. Through. Right. Sounds good.
I gotta tell you, the guy is trying to yell through you through the window. Keep it going. Stay with it. I I get that. I will. Why didn't you tell him? Why didn't you I, talk to him? You had. He's your great. He's a great dude. He's awesome. And I know. he's just where you are now is where he was. I don't know what, like a decade ago. Yeah, I just get shy sometimes around people. But but you can do it in character, huh? Yeah, it's it's much easier when you're performing. I'm going to work on you getting to just say who you are to people. Okay. You don't have to do it real big, but look out. I don't know whether you noticed how happy he was that you were doing that and thinks that it's great. Uh, by the way, it's at Rob Regal. Uh was just talking to his publicist about bringing him back for an unmask. So if you guys would be first responders and stay on top of that, that would be great. I'm be a big awesome. fan of his. I just... Have always found him just fucking break your face funny. I'm always a big fan of the asshole guy. He's fucking hysterical. And everything he's in, in, ha in the fucking hangover, he stole that shit. Yeah, he did. It's He's just so goddamn funny. Well, he was the guy who used the line, Fat Jesus, <laughs> that Mark Zito tried to steal not too long ago. Like, we didn't see a movie that made $300 million. I haven't seen this one. Um, yeah, Robert Riggle's the man. Awesome. Just coming in here is great. You know, when you look at the people that came out of The Daily Show <laughs> and just how ready they are to fucking conquer Hollywood. One after another. Yeah. That, that like, even the, the, just the first few years after Stewart took over, just constant. <laughs> just every one of them fucking killing it. Uh, all right. So uh, I mentioned earlier uh, we're going to try to talk to Fez Watley maybe within an hour or so about, uh, well, he's Stepman now. He's got three new stents. And I will say this, a beautiful Sports Illustrated. Uh, oh, Linsanity cover? Yeah, I got him a Linsanity. Sweet. <laughs> Good. He's not a basketball man, but, you no. know, I can't get him a football thing during the... No, it's... What is he, read about the co combine or something? Or fucking draft? Fuck that. We'll always remember Jeremy Lin and the time we got three extra stents. It'll be a time. Isn't that crazy, though? Five stents all together? Yeah. I remember when he got his first stent, we acted like... Oh my God! How can a person live like that? A stent? It, um, now three in one goddamn shot. It must look like a birthday cake when you start to get too old. It's sad. It's, it's sad after sad. a while. Uh, one week after coming out, he's stent boy. Johnny, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Pepper. Um, right. Wasn't Rob Riggle on Gary Unmarried? Yes, he was. Season two, also, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool guy. Definitely try to get it unmasked on, for sure. Yeah, I, I was just talking to his publicist about it. That's why it would be great if first responders uh, could write to at Rob Riggle. If you need to, go over to the iBang uh, Twitter and jump on that. It's, it, it honestly helps so much, you guys. Yeah. It really does. Uh, matter of fact, we've got that unmasked on Tuesday, and 
there was a group of people who bailed on us. They were supposed to come in through town. So we've got some tickets opening up. Uh, it is Fran Drescher, which gigantic TV star. Huge. Yeah. Gigantic TV star. Go over to the Interrobang, sign up for the Unmasked. That's uh, Tuesday. Um, oh, by the way, please don't write that you're a fucking first responder. Be that hip. Just, no. just, just, just write a nice. Let thing. the man know. Yeah, he was nice on the show. It was great to have him on. Yeah, love to have him again. But don't act like we're a crazy gang of fucking <laughs> thieves here. I guess I'm gonna have to stop using that fucking name because I can't trust. Baseball furies. <laughs> just what? Uh, all right. It is uh, the show today. And I almost said when I was last night, because I was in there till late last night, and I'm like, maybe I'll just call the show off tomorrow. And then Chris writes to me, Rob Riggle's coming in. And I'm like, yeah, let's just do the fucking show. I can't be sitting around here all day wondering if Fez is reading his charts. Yeah. Um, the weird deal is I felt like his, um, his nurse didn't like me hanging around too much. What? Didn't like all my opinions. Didn't like my ideas. Really? Old lady? Fuck yeah. off. Well, how long has she known Fez? Thank you very much. That's a good fucking point. I'm the one who got him there. Exactly. Not you, lady. She acts like she knows everything all of a sudden just because he shows up. Like, yeah, was he you, emailing her? If you're just her? doing a UCB thing of supporting the piece right now, I can't ever tell. Yes, always support. When you heard him say that stuff, did that just make that's, you so happy? Yeah. I mean, that's so true. Like, that's basically what they tell you. Like, you assume the role of whatever you're supposed to be. Like, it's not about you. It's about the whole thing together. Huh. See, I don't live that way. I just think it's about me, and then the whole thing just gets in the way of me. <laughs> like, a lot of times when I'm interviewing people and I'm masked, I just go, shut up. I've got a lot of things to say. Why do you keep talking? Well, ask me some questions like, where am I from, and what makes me so funny? Something, right? Something? Any of it interests you? You self-involved motherfucker. <laughs> You know, I have to say, I don't think I've ever had a total asshole on a mess. Partials, yes. Some weird actions occurred. Well, I don't mind even the weird actions I can put up. I hate if anybody goes in automatic pilot, though. Okay. That just bores me. Like, if I hear them. It just becomes fake. It's just. Oh, wasn't this funny with Riggle? How did you know I wanted that picture? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm watching it on TV. It's happening in front of a camera. <laughs> Hey, how weird is you know that he's still in the Marine Corps? Still, yep. he's yep. in the Marine Reserves. He's a lieutenant colonel. That's insane. In the Marines, like, it just doesn't seem like I can be a lieutenant colonel, and then I can also be a very funny person. And basically, a star now. He's you know doing movies, and how do you do both things at once? Because don't you got to go for like weekend training and stuff and. Yeah, hanging out with everybody. Yeah, you got to do. Uh, I think once a month you're doing stuff like that, and then a couple weeks out of the year, and then of course you can get called back any time when you're in the reserves. You can show up at any time that you know they need you. They basically say you're needed. Wow. So get the fuck out of Hollywood and get. It's in like there. me with Flathead. If he needs me, I gotta go. There's I can't get out of it. I mean, I guess it's that same thing of like you know you need to serve the greater purpose. Right. So. It's about discipline. Um, all right, let's get started over here on the iBang Wire today. Some of the stuff that we have. Uh, right off the bat, this is 
I think maybe my favorite story of the day. They found these tree lobsters. What? Clinging to a rock in the Pacific Ocean. Now, it's unbelievable. What? Click on the link, too. Oh. Now, click on the link. That rock is real. It what? sticks at the high point of that. It's higher than the Empire State Building, right? Yeah. This is in between New Zealand and Australia, which is just like a crazy part of the world. Um, so they get up there and they climb this rock and look at the size of oh these giant bugs. It's called tree lobsters. Ugh. Now, these things have been extinct for 80 years as far as we know. This top of this rock is the only place that that species lives. And I'm like, well, what do they eat? Yeah, what what do they... It's a giant rock in the middle of the ocean. There shouldn't be any vegetation or anything on it. Now, I guess they're giant bugs. So you uh, would think that a bug would eat leaves and stuff. It, I mean, there must be like a little moss may, on there from them Yeah, maybe eat. they eat algae because it looks kind of green. And that's what they would have to eat. Yeah, you can see some here. And one of these pictures. I don't know. I kind of hate them because they're so big. I fucking am so freaked out by them. And you know they make a scary clicking sound. Uh, oh. You know that there's a cl scary cl clicking sound. Now, I got to ask you this. Steamed, drawn butter. Would you eat that? Because a lobster is pretty gross if you've never seen a lobster before and then saw it the first time. Well, if they change color to a nice red after we fucking yeah, cook them, nice. that, then I'd be like, all right, let's go. Let's bust into that tail meat. I don't normally like seafood, but I guess technically these are insects. So, yeah. Do you know like when the pilgrims and all were like in New England, they never ate the lobster? They didn't? Mm -mm. They were like... They were like, oh my God, these are fucking disgusting bugs. I mean, why would you if you looked at it? It's a creepy... It looks like a bug. That's it a, is. a crustacean. It's an underwater bug. And a delicious underwater oh, bug. So it, good. And it's got claws. You'd be like, I'm not gonna mess with that one. It's I don't know why the surf and turf became a ridiculous thing that you can't have anymore. I'll have it anywhere I go. Steak and lobster together, <laughs> and there's just a big thing of fucking butter juice. Yeah. Just a with a your, liquid butter? With your entree, you get a trough of butter. Well, and then, shit. Like, when no one's looking, you can just put a piece of steak in the butter oh, and start yeah. eating it? Fuck, oh, God, so good. <laughs> but now, if you go, oh, they have a surf and turf, they're like, what are you talking about? All right, Patrick in Denver says he knows about the tree lobster. Go ahead. Yeah, I read, the, I read the article in that story, and there's one bush on that island that was supporting the family of bugs. And they, they found it in, like, 2001... But it took them years to get permission to go collect some of the species to try to, you know, save it and put them in a zoo in Australia. And when they went back, there was a rock slide that they thought had killed the, all the all the bugs. But it turned out there was a couple left, so they took them and or raised them in this zoo in Australia. Yeah, they've like, already like have like a thousand babies or oh, something. Then why are we doing that? Isn't this the beginning of a sci-fi horror movie? Yes, it is. They're going to get out, get into the ecosystem, and start killing everything else, and then we're fucked. Maybe there was a reason they went extinct. Like, I, you know, that's a really good point. It's like, what is this thing about us not wanting things to go extinct? That is kind of weird because that I extinction is a way of saying you're not really relevant anymore and you can't survive, so you don't deserve to live anymore. The pandas, pandas should all be dead, but we keep making them fuck. That's because they're adorable. 
You know, when you have to force a species to fuck, they don't deserve to go on. And they're really bad at it. They're really shy at it, too. They're always like, it's really hard to get them to have sex. It's like, maybe they shouldn't be having sex then. Maybe they'll want to. Here's the problem. They're really large, right? Yeah. Yet you've never seen panda dick in your life. Oh, no. It's just the fur. I you mean, how small is a dick if the fur is covering it? They must have micro dicks, and maybe that's why they're embarrassed to have sex, because they just are not confident But then you all. think they have micro pussies. It's true. Tiny, right. little, tight, fucking panda pussies. Um, right, I'm going to read some of this stuff. I wonder if these creatures are high in cholesterol. Uh, melted butter and some cheddar biscuits. Mm. Forget the tree lobster. Look at that guy's unibrow. I didn't even notice that. Let's go up and see. <laughs> okay, oh, wow. yeah. All right. Okay. That's, uh, He's been out in the that's a good call there, Seton. <laughs> I'm thinking the new B-52 song. A tree lobster. Um, Shy Monkey just says simply, there is some prehistoric shit south of the equator. It's true. Uh, Jim said these could have probably lived in Pepper's beard. Oh, come on. And then Christopher Brooklyn says, just kill me now. If I see one of them in person, I just want to die. Just die. That's a very good point as well. If one of those fucking things touched me, I'd start freaking out. Um, oh. the I just noticed that the, a new Herman Cain ad went up, and I haven't seen this yet. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, there's smoking involved. I don't know why he's still making ads. Isn't he done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's over. He's so weird. It's like McCain doesn't make ads anymore because he's out. McCain, two thousand eight. <laughs> <laughs> Remember me, Big John McCain. I tried to win, but you didn't vote for me. <laughs> I guess I wasn't a really attractive black guy. McCain. I fucked up. Try to get in a time machine and help me. McCain. All right, let's uh, see the new Herman Cain. This is the economy. There's a goldfish dying. Just He's letting a goldfish oh, die. What the fuck? He's letting a... It's oh, dead. my God! This is the economy on stimulus. No way. Any questions? Please tell me you're joking. Any questions? That's not real. Desolate fucking... No way. Is that supposed to be him standing there? No way. Looking over a barren wasteland. They just killed a goldfish. And doing the old this is your brain on drugs bit. From what, 83? Any questions? Any questions? (laughs) Well, that website's real. Sick of stimulus. There's a donate button. <laughs> Paid for by Kane Solutions. All right. Uh, White Dog just said, nope, no questions. You explained it. 140 <laughs> characters or less. Well done. I understand the economy was a goldfish that is dying. Uh, Pirate says Peter will be pissed. So the fish's name is Stimulus. <laughs> An economy. Did she really just say economy? I think she she left out some syllables in that. The good news is is that on the website here, there's slots for more videos that are coming soon. So Perfect. I hope they keep killing bigger and bigger animals. <laughs> this is an elephant. It represents the economy. <laughs> and this axe that I'm taking and chopping its trunk with. Oh, God. 
goes to show like what the Democrats do to us. I'm going, to pour, I'm going to pour gasoline on it because gas is really expensive. Any questions? Who the fuck are you talking to, little girl? I will shove your nose up into your head. It looks like the road at the end of that fucking uh, commercial. I know. <laughs> it's what the fuck, Herman Cain. It's done. Why don't you just go back to selling pizza? You're doing fine then. You're getting killed constantly. Max now. says, from the looks of the video, Herman Cain should have been more worried about Skynet. <laughs> Be- <laughs> and then Beer says, is Herman Cain God? Oh. That is so fucking funny. Now I really wish I could vote for him. Colbert tried to make it happen. I know. I think we've made a huge mistake. We need Kane back. All right, Matt just read, holy fuck, Stick. Do you see Black Jesus looking down on us? <laughs> Old Dirty Hog says, feed this to the tree lobster. Uh-huh. Maybe this is a post-tree lobster world is what his fucking Kane's trying to do. This, uh... Mark says, this is the part of the Ron versus the World's Animal Contest? I'm not against them all. I'm just saying it can be done. It's hypothetical. Goldfish, that's what's for dinner. All right, Liz is on fire. Elizabeth is on fire today. Why is he killing fish for these fucking ads? Don't, so you can fucking understand what's happening to the economy, dude. He needs to not make... fucking get through with you until fish dies. The rest of this fucking thing is CGI. He could have just had a CGI fish. <laughs> no. Come on, Kane. You, fi- you need a real fish to understand the severity of the situation that we're in. I agree. Like, you fucking bring out a puppy, you shoot it in the face, and oh. go like this. Drugs. You would be so horrified. If <laughs> right. that was a CGI, you'd be like, well, it's not real. I don't care. I guess it makes a better point. It does. It's the only way you get people to notice. Ralph says, should there be a nuke going off in the back of her? <laughs> it was very Barry Goldwater-esque. Why wouldn't the liberal media just let us have our first black president? Doesn't even make sense. Um, I just, I want the, the five seconds back that I read that fucking comment. I like the fact that now we're starting to, you know, herd animals to make a point. <laughs> Poor goldfish. You think he's going to be okay with that stimulus, but it's just right, not I, enough. I'm going to play this for you. I saw this this morning. I don't know whether you guys uh, ever go to Grantland and the uh, the BS reports there. Yeah. Obama sits down and does a podcast with him. And basically, his fucking angle was he was into Jeremy Lin before anybody else. You know, this hipster president that is... where I knew. <laughs> I think that's why people hate him because he tries to act like, yeah, I already knew about Jeremy Lin. <laughs> I was into Jeremy Lin so early on. I was burnt out on him two weeks ago. You dudes were all Kobe and up and shit, and I was doing the whole Jeremy Lin thing. I'm paying attention to an eight-year-old girl right now who will fucking blow your shit away. I'm fucking on it. All right, but that's the part of it where he's feeling strong. But I just want to play a little bit to you and just get fucking annoyed with the president of the United States. 
Welcome to the White House. Very proud to Why would he say welcome to the White House? Why is Bill Simmons with fucking the president? This is why. You used to have my Seriously, well, there's no fucking reason. U.S. Senator, I was way ahead of the curve on the podcast thing. See, he's always, he's such a hipster. Listeners as you. What was this podcast called? Uh, I really don't remember. <laughs> a podcast with Barack Obama. I no, think. It's Something like that. It has a catchy name. Yeah. I want to talk about sports. You have, you have plenty of time to talk about politics with whoever. How do you have time to follow sports when you have the busiest job on the planet? Well, first of all, uh, I don't watch uh, network news or cable news. So in the morning when I'm working out with Michelle, uh, it's on Sports Center. This is the one thing that she allows me uh, oh, to, to control is Sports Center. All right, hold on. Now let's just fucking go over this. That's depressing. This is the President of the United States of America. You can't get a more powerful job. You control things. And yes, you control. You control our destiny. <laughs> it's up. Basically, it's up to you. He can nuke the entire fucking planet. Yes, it's up to you, dude. Whether we fucking bomb Iran or Israel. It's your fucking call. You could kill a fish right now and nobody could stop you. But to fucking sit there and say, in the morning, while I'm working out, my wife lets me watch Sports Center. This is the one thing that I'm allowed to do. It fucking makes me think, what the hell goes on? That's that's fucking a terrible look. And you know he'd be smoking like a fucking madman if it wasn't for her. Tell me why guys want to marry their mommy. I mean, I don't. you guys probably aren't old enough to remember Reagan, but he used to call his wife mommy what? in public. Yeah. He would say, mommy said that we could. That's he, fucked up. Yeah, he would. I guess you know how some guy, like, I don't even like to say when a guy says it to kids. Like when a kid says, hey, mommy wants you guys to get the fucking sleep. I get that that's what you would say to a kid. I would rather say, your mother. Yeah. It's it's, it's more respectful. Yeah, Don't act least. like yeah, I, the, she's the mommy of all of us. It's creepy when you call your wife mommy. It's it's weird. Oh, so your God. Mom's. Your baby mama wants to. <laughs> Max is right. Uh, it's the one thing she allows me to control. Um, what about the country? That's really disturbing that he fucking said that. And, uh, and with Bill Simmons, of all people. Bill Simmons should have just said, what? First of all, why should anyone let anyone watch anything? If your chick puts on a TV show and you don't want to watch it, you know you got another fucking TV in the bedroom. Just go in there and watch the ball game. Don't be acting like, what are you fucking doing? Putting this on. I can't deal with this. I mean, really, has your chick ever put anything on TV that was just so unwatchable to you that you said, I have to turn it off? I mean, hopefully you would be with somebody who has the same interests, at least. Like, you would enjoy watching the same programs. You could at least share that. It's very funny that you bring this. I was I had on the, the Kelly uh, Ripper get-together today, and something came up, and they were shocked. They were saying that a lot of guys were saying if their chick... Something like 22% of the men said they couldn't be with a chick that liked different music than them. And Kelly was fucking blown away by that. But that really is a thing of like, what What did you just say? Well, I like Fish and my girlfriend hates him. Chicago's the greatest band of all time? Uh, I think we're going to disagree on a lot. <laughs> Your chick is all punk rock, right? Punk rock, like reggae, Elvis. She, she's a, a 
anything but jam band. It's, it's just specifically fish. She just fucking... She hates hippies. She just fucking does not like fish. Uh, Kevin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, that quote right there, if that does not prove who's running this country, and it ain't fucking Barack Obama. I mean, she's calling a lot more shots than any of us know if she's not letting him watch anything but fucking sports center when she's when he's working out. Yeah, he has to work out to watch it. The second that he fucking gets off the treadmill, she's putting on fucking her shows. Get off his fucking back, lady. Jesus Christ. And just let him fucking watch his show. <laughs> Has she seen how he's aged over the last three fucking years? I know. And he's got nowhere he can go. He wants to fucking get the scores. That's all. He just wants to see if the Miami Heat's still winning. He doesn't get network TV. Fuck. Isn't that funny, him saying I don't fucking watch any news at all? That's also a very hipster thing to say. Yeah. He, he said, I, yeah, I had a podcast, and <laughs> also I don't have regular TV. I don't even remember what it was called, but, you I know, I was there early on. I got a t-shirt company with my brother right now. It's kind of ironic shit that we're doing. <laughs> we uh, screen printed a lot of it ourselves. Uh, I mean, that's the way it feels good to me, you know, and I just do the stuff I like. And if other people want it, that's great. Cool. You know. Whatever. Make a little money inside. Hey. I'm growing my own fucking pot. I'm really getting into hydroponic. Right Guys, ship down to co-op later. Good it's some... so much fun. I like to help out at the homeless center and just, you know, I'm part of this community. There's a show later I'm going to go check out. <laughs> some guys like to say that their chick's fucking in charge of them. You ever notice that? That's weird. It's like, yeah, they just take care of everything. I don't know what I'm doing. Tommy Z likes to say he's not allowed to do shit. Yeah, Tommy Z. Z man, get it. Sounds like he likes to be bossed around. Yeah, some dudes, I guess, are just into it. Maybe it just makes them feel like a kid. They just like it's just—it's my worst thing, though. Yeah. That and a guy who purses his lips are the two things that I can't be around. <laughs> and tree lobsters, I hate. <laughs> Imagine if tree lobsters could purse their lips. Oh. That would be the last thing you ever saw. We should really just set fire to whatever uh, zoo they're in. We're not. We weren't missing them. No, no. We're, they're on one fucking lonely rock. It wasn't like a carrier pigeon would be like. Wouldn't it be great to still have carrier pigeons? Wait, we don't have carrier pigeons. Are they extinct? Well, what are the pigeons that take fucking things around like what that were, Mike Tyson has? What were the pigeons that? What was the pigeon and stop that pigeon? I think that was stop pigeon. Gary, you're on the run of Fez show. Uh, yeah, um, I pretty much would guess that uh, the president and any of these guys got a team of writers for whatever the situation. I'm sure for this, he had his hipster writers writing whatever he's going to say. Yeah, my wife runs everything. I'm Why would him. anybody want that, though? No, I, I guarantee you, like, his people cringe, you know? Who's ever running his campaign? He's got to be like, oh, dude. Yeah, no one set him up with that. That's what's really going on. Dude. That's the truth. What are you fucking doing? Well, it's like, hey, Obama, I got this great angle for you when you go in with Simmons. You're going to be angry like uh, your wife only lets you watch Sports Center. Also, tell them that you piss not. You don't know what's wrong. Something's <laughs> wrong with your urine. And that you were the first to do it. <laughs> and if you have to take your shit, say, excuse me, I'm touching cotton right now. And ask the guy to give you a high five. <laughs> Turtling, bro.
Make sure that stays into the podcast. Uh, Rob, you're on Fez. Hey, what's up, Ryan? What's up, Pepper? Yeah. Hi. Oh, my God. My girl puts on these real housewife shows. I can't last a minute into this shit. It just sounds like a bunch of chickens in a fucking chicken coop. It's, I, it's but you've got another TV, right? Yeah, no, I'll go. But, like, she's like, you, know, you want to spend time with me? Watch this show with me. I'm like, no, I don't want to watch this shit. I can't do it. I can't physically sit there and watch it. This is too much. I don't think it's important for uh, couples to watch every show together. I mean, you have to have separate interests. All right, Tom's got an update on the uh, pigeon thing. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, Ron, the answer to the musical question is homing pigeons. All right, no, a homing pigeon is different than a carrier pigeon? Yeah, carrier pigeons were designed to carry stuff back and forth. Homing pigeons just have to go home. They don't have to carry anything. All right, what were the carrying pigeons carrying? Like back in the... Uh, like boards and shit? Well, you know, back in the early days, like World War One, and pr- prior to that, they had to get messages back and forth from the front to the generals, that sort of thing. It says here uh, the, the passenger pigeon is extinct. Oh. All right, so there's... Because it seems to me like they're all doing the same shit. It seems to me they're all pigeons. They're all just flying around, shitting everywhere, being fucking a nuisance. Wake me up every fucking morning. Uh, 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 uh. I Pete runs uh, says he also points out that he's watching meaningless Wednesday night West Coast NBA games <laughs> instead of working on running our country. I don't think the I think the guys need some fucking free time to watch some ball. I, people always act like, "Whoa, you took a vacation!" Like you, yeah, everybody every needs to rest. Every fucking president should be able to watch a ball game. He's fucking stressed out. <laughs> I know. Everyone needs to decompress, especially the president. Yeah, I wish he'd start smoking again, like openly. God, I'd love it. I hope he starts rolling his own, too. <laughs> you would just love it. All right, I got a fucking thing to tell you. There's a um, chick in my neighborhood, very nice woman, who's doing the online dating. Mm-hmm. She's looking for a guy that smokes. She says if she puts her thing on... She puts her picture up, yeah. and these are up like people in their forties. If she puts her picture up and say, "Here's her interest," she gets hundreds of fucking people that write to her. But if she says she's a smoker, boom, it goes down to like two or three. What? She claims she only gets one or two percent of the same hits for saying she's a smoker. That's fucking crazy. What, what, what dudes are on the fucking internet looking for, for fucking relationships? And, and smoking's a fucking deal breaker? It's a, not only is it a deal breaker, with like 98 fucking percent of the people. Smoking is my deal breaker. Why would I, I'm not a smoker. Why would I want to be with somebody who does? It's stink everything up. Your deal breaker should be, I'll take any fucking chick that's out there ready to fucking rock and roll. Give me that pussy. And that's then if it, it doesn't work out long time, fine. All right. I, or just yell, don't kiss me with your fucking ash mouth. But you can't put it on my penis. Why do you, Rob Riggle would have told you the same thing. I, I know. Why didn't you take the shot? What happened there? That was your first time. I'm not, I'm not upset about it. What did you say to him? Yeah, I greeted him. I told him about the show. You know, I told him what he'd be doing. It was an XL channel. We'll be going in a couple minutes. I just didn't feel like it was appropriate to start being like, oh, yeah, I'm a UCB guy. I think it's appropriate. Is it? Not only would it have been appropriate, but I guarantee you, 
you would have got a bear hug, a big yeah. uh, Lieutenant Colonel bear hug. He was so happy that he was. He was ecstatic about it. I know. I. And then even after, he's like going through the glass. Keep it up, dude. Seriously. Yes. He's yelling. Did you see that he was doing that? I did. Yeah. Hua! <laughs> Hua! <laughs> Is he one of your idols right now? Because of where he's at. Yeah. I mean, he's a good one. He's very, very funny. Yeah. I mean, and guys who look like that usually too. You don't think. You know, guy who's like a Marine, you'd think, oh, you know, on the outside, you would think that guy must be a jerk. But he's like the nicest guy. He's, you know, really intelligent. He's he's a really funny guy, too. Mm. Yeah, he is. But what do you think? That Marines are jerks? No. Yeah, what are you trying to say? It's just a lot of people who look kind of like, you know, typically attractive i guess like men and women they don't usually go through a lot of the same hardships as you, so people. you're calling him attractive yeah i guess you can't so. do that not, with another guy oh God. i'm not, not saying i find that. him attractive i'm saying that he has like that you see typical you know sort of like <laughs> i never i just i hope I was, he doesn't smoke Chris. i wasn't picking up on that at all <laughs> i mean he kind of plays the asshole he's not playing the dreamboat yeah but he's kind of got that you know like He's like the mean what? older brother and shit like that in movies. He busts balls and makes people feel like shit. <laughs> so at UCB Theory, you just stare at his picture sometimes? Jerking. Just, just slowly jerking. Or you're just squeezing no, your cock through your pants. You wouldn't jerk in the hallway. That would be rude. Uh, Jake, you're on the run of the show. Hey, how you doing, guys? My wife oftentimes will make me watch that stupid show, House Hunters International, which I've grown to love now because we'll uh, try to figure out which house they're going to pick and bet blowjobs on it, which makes it kind of interesting. Whatever you want to do. I mean, I don't have a thing about it. I just think that a man shouldn't fucking say to a woman, you can't watch that, and a woman shouldn't say that to a man. Just don't watch it with the person. That's not so fucking hideous. Just keep it together for a little while. Jesus Christ, have a separate interest from someone else. I mean, you don't expect the fucking chick to sit there and watch fucking... Um, what's that new fucking game, Laser Tag or whatever? What was that fucking oh, uh, game? Taser, uh, Taser League. Taser <laughs> you, Ball. Taser Ball. UTC, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate ta Taser... Uh, we got the Kurt Cobain thing isolated. Did you hear this, Chris? I haven't You're heard it. I saw it. it? All right, somebody uh, sent it. Was it you, uh, Fred? That might have been Zito. No, Zito never sends anything Those... fucking good. Zito he, wouldn't do this. He doesn't. Well, if he gets something in, it's like, isn't this fake? Uh, all right, so it came from a listener. New mayor uh, single, guys. Uh, I know. Or one of my friends put out a fucking album, and I want plugs for it. Um, but this is, they've isolated Kurt Cobain's voice. So you're not hearing the instruments at all. You're just hearing Kurt Cobain. Nice. Yeah, it's there. It's just it's that's the bit. that's the musical oh, part. I got you. So when he starts singing, we'll just be here for you. You don't have to panic. Okay. Just fucking keep yourself together. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Just try to promote the peace and not yourself. Okay. Try not. Load up on guns. Bring your friends far 
want to lose to pretend she's overborn and self-assured. I know, I know, a dirty word. Hello, 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 hello. people don't sound all that good when you isolate them but that sounded pretty nice yeah i thought it was going to be one of those things where you're like oh wow what were we thinking i remember years ago we had this piece that somebody somebody on the soundboard had taken a paul mccartney's wife linda oh yeah and she was yeah. just fucking singing just hideous and it got gigantic everybody in the country was like <laughs> laughing and pointing at it yeah i remember that she was horrible. They put her in like the background. And well, it's you know it is the weird thing about when you're playing a stadium, and you're the background person, and everything's blasting. She's probably not wearing headphones. No, she isn't. You know, but the fact that the fucking soundboard guy hated her so much that he leaked that. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, we brought it up about uh, Stinny. Three new stints. In his heart, for a grand total of five, five stents. If you're keeping score at home, we have him on the phone now. It's our own openly gay Fez Watley. Hi, Ronnie. How are you? Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! I found out that if you talk like that, you can get a male nurse to give you a sponge bath. See, now that oh, doesn't make sense. God. So you have a little bit of humor about it this time. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's some of the sedation that's still uh, running through my body. Oh, you were very bitchy last night. Was I? Yeah, you were kind of talking about the nurses in front of them. 
Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. You were very... Uh, uh, and then, do you remember when you your joke was to keep calling me doctor when I saw you? You're like, oh, hello, doctor. And he was acting <laughs> like it was funny, but he said it I, over and over. And this weird. is why he's still in the gurney. They're still rolling. I'm, I'm in the recovery area with 15 guys that just had heart attacks. And me, standing there with a coat still on, pissed off because I had to look all over for him. And he kept going... Hello, doctor. Oh, oh hello, doctor. <laughs> all right. I don't remember that at all. It was I very must, funny. I must have been out of it because I put hands bananas down as my emergency contact. Oh, See, no. that doesn't. You shouldn't have because he's not, just not out of ready. <laughs> three fez, three stents. Three for a grand total of five. Um, they gave me a stent card. I get two more, and then I get the next one free. Nice. Sweet. Uh, is that junior, or do you also get sides with it? Uh, th- no, that's that's full size. That's a full size stent. Now, do you, um, Fuzzy, do you know what caused this, or because it, it wasn't a heart attack? It was more like the pain that you felt just was that it was slowing down, and you would have had the heart attack. Yeah, eventually, yeah, one of those would have blocked off completely. One of them was um, an old stent that was starting to close up, so it needed another stent next to it now. And the guy said last night you never take the stents out. No, they're in there for life. What are they made out of? I I think some sort of a little like uh, meshy titanium or something like that. Meshy titanium. Yeah, and I know they told me I got the new 2012 model, so I've got that going for me. And they went in through your wrist this time. Yeah, yeah, instead of my groin. I don't know what was wrong with that, but apparently they they went in through the wrist, so that's actually a faster recovery time. Like any junkie can tell you, you can't keep using the same vein, dude. That's what they told me. You're going to start going in between your toes and under your tongue. They said, yeah, we probably won't be able to do this through the wrist again, so let's try to keep these arteries open. Well, how do you do that? I mean, have you done anything wrong? No, I don't think so. They said it's just hereditary. It's the way my body produces plaque, you know, it was some stress. They asked me um, if I had recently come out on a national radio show. (laughs) And I said, yes, but what does that have to do with anything? They said, nothing. I just look really gay in my hospital gown. Uh, Well, that's good now. When someone says, that looks gay, you should like, thank you. Yeah, I I took it as a total compliment. So what are these meds that have you so happy? Uh, I don't, they put it in through the IV. Uh-huh. All right. So, so I never do get to see it. So you get to go pretty uh, home pretty quick on this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Rob Cross keeps wanting to send you flowers, and I'm like, oh, he's no. going to be out of there, and then he's just carrying flowers. Yeah, and then they'll think me and Rob are dating. No, don't. <laughs> What's wrong with Rob? You guys aren't dating? <laughs> no, we're not. You'd be lucky to get them. I would. So, yeah, yeah, I'll get to go home today. Good. Really? Today? Damn, that's fast. Wow. Yep, yep. Nice. Yeah, the fa- it's, it's really weird. I mean, I was blocked up, but no heart attack. So the fact that, you know, I didn't cross that threshold means I get to go home sooner. Sweet. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So if how long would it have taken you to get the heart attack? Um, let's see. I think I was, the, the worst one I think was like 95% blocked. Wow. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was, says the time bomb Watley walking around the streets. Now, 
if and if it's a hundred percent blocked, that's when a heart attack comes. Yeah, basically, if the plaque, yeah, it's they they try to explain it to me every time. You think I'd have it down by now, but yeah, if the plaque ruptures, then a blood clot shows up and can't get around that blockage, and so it's a whole mess. Well, you sound good, buddy, and you seem like you. This is how grown up Fez is. He didn't even bother his family in Florida with it this time. Right. I'm like, do I need to call anybody? You're like, no, nah, I didn't even call them. No. I'll just wait until it's done. What do they need to know? Have you called them yet? Yeah, I called them this morning. Do you even get still got the oh my god, should I come up there? Or? No, it's no, I don't even get that. Okay. <laughs> it's basically, you know, like I've told them. <laughs> You know, Happy Easter or something. That's well, the problem. That's why you just always have to change your act because people get used <laughs> to it so quickly that you just become heart attack guy. Like that's what he does. He uh, has his heart attacks. Another one, mm-hmm. boy that cried sure. stent. Now you went. By the way, you went to the hospital that our boss has told you time and time again, don't go to. Right. Yeah. Why'd you go to that one? Well, I had three choices. I had never been to the one that the boss says go to, so I was I was nervous about a whole new routine. The one that I uh, the other choice that I had to go to is the one where my father died, so I didn't feel like walking through those doors. Right, but he and, didn't. They have a pretty good fucking thing with heart attack stuff, and he didn't die from a, great, a heart attack. Yeah, they have a great cardiology department, but. For some reason, it was in my mind they were going to put me in the same bed that my father was in in CCU. Look, I had to point this out to you guys. So I go up there, and I can't, I, I can't find the right floor, and then I find his room. And it's even got his name, but he's not there yet. Oh, jeez. So then I'm like, well, I don't feel like fucking, you know, this is nuts. So I'm going, and I'm looking around until I, I break into basically the recovery room. Like when you get taken out, right? But it's just this room with tons of beds. And dudes all there, by the way, all of them had beards. Know that if you want to have a heart attack. Bearded guys get a lot of them. Oh, thank God. Chubby bearded guys. It looked like they were having a Fez Watley lookalike contest. It really was because I I walked over to them because I keep seeing (laughs) like little goatees. But the funny thing is it did look like a fucking Civil War battlefield. I mean, there was just dudes all over and I'm like. How many dudes are having fucking heart attacks today? Walt Whitman they, was there writing poems for them, and <laughs> they nice. said that it was packed. That they had no, it was packed, dude. Angiograms that day, and I thought, you know, Davy Jones. All right, that's in the news. Everyone thinks they're having a heart attack. And then I told you about Breitbart while you were laying there. He just oh. gotten out. And I, I, he goes like, you know, because it was so weird with that. And I'm like, it gets weirder. You know, and then he waited like eight seconds. He goes, did someone else have a heart attack? And I go, Breitbart. And he goes like this. Andrew Breitbart, as if. Of the website? There's a ton of other Breitbarts. Do you remember any of that, Fez? I don't remember that, no. It was, it was so... I In don't... fact, it's like hearing the news for the first time all over Oh, again. you didn't know that? No, I totally forgot that you had said that to me. Yeah. Thank God Dion Breitbart is still okay. <laughs> Dion. Well, you sound good, dude. 
Yeah, well, you know, once they open everything up, you don't realize how bad you felt before. That's kind of interesting. Wow. I mean, this is like, and I was even telling them last night, you know, because it's a little disappointing to be back in there, but I'm like, you're out. Now your fucking tubes are all opened up. Cleaned blood up. is flowing. Yep. This is really the born again, the all new, whatever you want to do. It's fresh and ready. I think this is, in a way, kind of a good thing. It's I mean, a reset. You yeah, you wouldn't want to wish it on anyone, but I think the timing's terrific. But it's a good start knowing that, you know, I'm openly gay, and now my arteries are openly open. <laughs> openly open. The funny, and with those new stents, you've got at least another 80,000 miles before you have to go back in there. That's right. I would hope so, at least. Did they put a new sticker on you, or? <laughs> They're rolling yeah. back the speedometer. He got, <laughs> he got new stents oil. that they've taken out of fucking corpses. Oh. <laughs> and I have to take about a bottle of aspirin a day for the next month. Oh. Why is that? Just because that keeps you the blood uh, flowing? Yeah, just to keep everything thin. I thought um, that it was only one baby aspirin a day. Well, it was for normal, you know, until the stents, you know, actually, they're going to, like, kind of grow into the arteries. But here's if you take a bottle of baby, I, uh, that's going to make something else fucked up, won't it? Your liver. It'll fuck your liver up. Great. Well, it's not Tylenol. Why is Tylenol so bad for your liver? I don't know, because your liver has to process it. It's bad for you. I don't know. I eat a bunch of them. I know you do. <laughs> I you... get the headaches and the aches and pains. I know, but you got a healthy gray liver there. <laughs> yeah, they said they'd like to see you next, Pepper. Oh, come on. <laughs> Good luck trying to find me. I was on the table, and they said, how's Pepper feeling? <laughs> it Great. doesn't sound good. I'm feeling do you awesome. remember that you told me that you were yelling on the table? Uh, no, but I do remember yelling on the table. They kept hurting me. Jesus. And I think I, I actually asked one of the people, when is the real doctor coming in? Oh, no. You should be fucking with them he when you're really on the... He was really I know. At the, at the point where I'm at my most vulnerable, and they're shaving my groin just in case it's oh. an emergency, they have to go in there. Oh, well, I know. If I start dating in the next month, I hope the man is interested in a landing strip. Oh, oh God. God. I'm just lights. going by men, not even landing strip. <laughs> All right, Fuzzy. I want you to get some rest now. All right. I'm going to go lay back down. And you have now got to work all weekend to cover up for the last 48 hours. Oh, great. Okay. All right. Take care, buddy. All right. Love you guys. Love you too, pal. Bye, Fez. Bye, Fez. Bye-bye. How come you guys are afraid to say love you to him? Because he's openly gay? I don't have any fucking problems with it. Just a little bit. I text him that I loved him a couple times. Like, I know. And I love you too, buddy. Because when he's down, down, he will just gets send some crazy texts around. <laughs> this is the other weird thing about him. So he's laying there. He's just in this little fucking apron. And then those dumb gray socks that they put on yeah. you now instead of slippers. And he's just, and he's got tubes in them and all that kind of shit. But he's holding on to his fucking 1993 cell phone. Giant fucking. Just, hold, <laughs> just holding it on his chest. Aw. You don't want those cell phone signals to interrupt the stents. He sounds good. He does. He is fucking sounding good. And I fucking felt it last night. Like I wasn't. 
I mean, yes, when I, when you're heading there and he's having the heart attack. Well, it's not a heart attack, just the, the blockage sludges. And Ugh. it does seem very cathartic that this would happen at the same time, where he kind of, you know, gets to start over. Where now he won't be as stressed and anxious. Um, I do. Uh, we got to take a break here, right? Yeah. And when we come back, take your time. I'm gonna let you get there. Run. <laughs> Fucking run. You are so rough on him. I sh- I have to be. Why? Because he needs to know. Yes, it makes me feel fucking good. I really hope you never have children. <laughs> How can I fuck with them and really screw their heads up? Um, I want to uh, bring up the Andrew Breitbart stuff when we get back. E-Rock brought this up to us yesterday. Just how immediately with the death, um, there are you know tons of uh, people going just, off on each other. Just killing. The negativity. And I got a little obsessed with it last night, particularly with Fez's health. But right away, I think it was on BuzzFeed, and we have the link up on the iBang wire of the amount of people saying conspiracy. Yeah, the conspiracy. Immediately that shit popped up. Breitbart was uh, murdered by our president of the United States. A man who's not even allowed to pick his own fucking TV shows. Still. Orders assassinations of bloggers. Yeah. Uh, So we'll break here. We'll be back. But I want to bring up some of this stuff about just civility in America uh, and whether or not it's gone. Um, We'll be right back. It's the Run Fest Show. Thank you. 
It's the Ron and Fez show on a Black Friday. I'm your push on my arm. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Andrew Breitbart and just how crazy America seems to be right now, lining up with this left versus right stuff. Um, but after Breitbart died, immediately the Internet was filled with people saying that his murderer, uh, the person who gave him this, uh, I guess it's a heart attack, but we don't know for sure right now, um, was known other than the President of the United States. And these are the type of people who also claim, you know, uh, another President of the United States uh, was the person who was behind 9-11, all the JFK type stuff. We're just a conspiracy type thing. But what's kind of... Uh, was also, I'm not going to say shocking, but it still makes you t- stand back a little bit. The way some of uh, Breitbart's uh, enemies um, were still in an attack mode, even though the guy had just dropped dead. Uh, and Rolling Stone has put up something by Matt Taibbi, I guess his name is. I guess Taibbi. Taibbi, okay. Um that says Andrew Breitbart, death of a douche. Now you have to remember this had to come out within, I would guess, probably twelve hours of Breitbart's death, and within six or seven hours of you know the world finding out about it. Um, it starts like this: So Andrew Breitbart is dead. Here's what I have to say. To that, and I'm sure Breitbart himself would have respected 
the reaction, good, fuck him. I couldn't be happier that he's dead. Um, he ends it up with uh, going through a, a thing of basically saying that Breitbart had kind of bought this on and he lived his life this way. And um, people have gone back and forth with this. What's amazing to me is that we've seemed to have lost the fact that most of these things are show business, I think. They're, they're carnival. And they get the rest of us involved in the carnival. This whole left versus right thing, uh, where we stop being, A, we stop being Americans, but B, we really even stop being human beings the way we talk to each other uh, these days. And the Internet, of course, hasn't helped with this at all. But we get so caught up in it that it's phenomenal. Now, here's one of the things about Breitbart uh, that came out after he died. Is that he was thinking about doing a show on CNN, which is supposed to be the lamestream media and blah, 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 with fucking Wiener. The guy whose career and life that he had destroyed, that both of those guys were thinking about doing together to do a talking head show. Yeah. And I try to point this out for one reason. When you look at people like Rush Limbaugh and the fucking hardball guy and just go right down the list of all these guys. They've got more in common with each other than they do the rest of us. That we end up screaming and playing these games along with them. But at the end of the day, it seems like it's a work by most of them. What gets to me about the Breitbart part of it uh, and there's no reason to say that, you know, you should have been a fan of his or you should not have been a fan. But the fact is that the man just dropped dead. He had four kids who won't have a dad. Now he had a a wife that apparently is a terrific person. But we live in a society where you can't even give it 24 hours. The other part of this is, People uh, And I'm looking up on our website where people are going, well, this is a First Amendment issue. And absolutely, I agree with that. There's no legal problem with anybody saying these things. But I also want to point out that if you use these words all the time about each other, they stop having meaning. And basically, I heard from somebody who I consider on the right saying, oh, Breitbart would have loved this because he loved fighting all the time. And he would have gotten a kick out of this thing. He would not have been offended by it. And I'm like, but that's the fucking point. We no longer can even use this kind of so-called, I hate you, go die in a fire shit. Shock shit. When it has no meaning now. You've taken the meaning out of this kind of hate. It's almost like if you go see a comic. And they're the kind of comics that start screaming about stuff. But they're screaming about, let's say, uh, the war in Iran at the same, or, or Iraq, or if we're going into Iran. If they're screaming the same level there, but then they're also screaming about something that McDonald's is doing, or the, what the ketchup has changed. Then it stops. Your anger has no fucking meaning at all anymore. You've just lost it. Um, yeah, you have to set some sort of baseline of... You know, 
Like getting angry, I guess. Yeah, I'm not really... If you're screaming all the time, it just becomes talking. That's yeah. how you talk. And then it doesn't matter. Um, but people were just ready to just start attacking him. Uh, now, I've even seen other people are putting up, well, here's some of the stuff that he said about people who are dead. Again, I fucking get that as well. I'm not saying he was not part of this. Um, he's actually, all those guys are part of it. But at some point, I honestly think they're fucking playing the rest of us. Because out of all their screaming, we're going to fucking get two fucking guys running against each other who are almost exactly the same. We're going to get two fucking moderates. And all the screaming becomes bullshit. Um, Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, sound like a million bucks. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, kind of took my thunder there. Just going to say that, uh, you know, Breitbart and all these guys, you know, bring it upon themselves whenever they, uh, you know, go nuts when, uh, you know, someone, uh, someone they don't agree with dies. I mean, but, but here's what I'm saying. Your thing of they bring it upon themselves. I'm saying a lot of the people throwing fucking stones now, we're all in that same, I don't, you know, Obviously, the, the, the whole fact of karma, forget even that concept, but I'm saying now we all live in that same world. If we're all immediately doing jokes as soon as a plane crashes, if we're all immediately fucking ripping somebody who just dropped dead, who had four fucking kids. They're racing, actually, to be the first at this point. People are racing to get onto whatever Can't wait. fucking Twitter, Cannot Facebook, wait. whatever. I'm saying you can't even give a 24 fucking hours these days of the way human beings used to act and say, hey, we were on different sides of some of these things. But guess what? When someone drops dead, you realize that we're all human beings and you wonder why we sit around and scream like this. No one seems to be having that concept into their head. That's gone. People don't even want a part of that. I love the fact... Um, that some of these, I'll go to Jerry Johns here saying that Brit Bart didn't mind badmouthing Ted Kennedy only a few hours. Um, it would be so awkward if they met each other in hell. You were, everything that you're saying that you fucking hated about him, you are now doing yourself. Yeah, like how did they, if you admired Ted Kennedy and he did that, you would be angry at Brit Bart for saying something bad about Ted Kennedy as soon as he dies. But then if you go and do it, that doesn't make you any better than him. It makes it you is... exactly the same. Yeah. That's my point about this. No matter where you get to this, you're exactly the same. And we're in a fucking time right now that Republicans can't seem to say, hey, I'll tell you one thing I do agree with, Obama. And Democrats can't say, here's one thing I do agree with what John McCain said. We just don't live that fucking way anymore we will actually go out of our way to fuck up good ideas just to hurt the other side <laughs> because if they don't if we let them get that oh maybe they'll be stronger in the next election it's really frustrating trying to read the news anything positive that obama does is immediately respond john boehner's like well it's not enough and you know this is what's going wrong it's like you can't even just for a second be like yeah it's a good thing that we're all going moving in a positive direction snowy you're on the run of Fez show 
Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Right off the bat, I feel for Breitbart's kids and his wife. It's bad to lose his father at, at that young of an age. I understand that. But did he get wit 24 hours before he called Ted Kennedy a piece of shit? So now you now you are him. That's our fucking point right now. I understand. I mean, you know, two wrongs don't make a right, and I understand that. Not only, let's even take it beyond two wrongs. But the people on the right can't keep going all indignant and cry these crocodiles here. Oh, look what they're saying. When the guy was just as bad as all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this. I'm not on the right, and I'm telling you, I it's not fucking crocodile tears here. I'm telling you, it's fucking. It's it's kind of a bad social behavior to have. And B, you're saying crocodile tears. I'm sure his family and friends have real tears. And at no point, at no point do you see any humanity in other Americans anymore. You're no longer seeing them as people. The fact that you would even use the, the thing that, his, that the people have crocodile tears. I'm sure he had a lot of friends. I'm sure his family loved the guy. He was very well liked among some people, but but I shared an elevator with him, and I didn't like the fucking guy. He made me uneasy there, <laughs> and I didn't even know who he was at the time. I just knew him as a guy walking back and forth in an elevator, sweating, fucking trying to get the one A's show as quick as he could. If you did, you're not going to tell him you don't. If you don't disagree with him, you're not going to be like, ah, you're shit. You're not a person. Well, maybe I would, unless he just dropped dead that day. You know what I mean? Like. When someone drops dead, we no longer have the thing of, wow, this makes you think. We don't. We don't give a shit. And I'm starting to feel like like people, it's like if we were in the Titanic, we all just started knifing each other on our way to the fucking bottom of the ocean. Literally, <laughs> we're like a thousand feet underwater and we're fucking knifing each other. I want your air. Um, it's kind of gotten crazy. Um It really has gotten fucking nuts. Uh, here's Joe, Michigan. You're on Fuzz. Ronnie, you are absolutely right. 90% of politics is nothing more than professional wrestling for people who wear business suits. Yeah, it's, it's all a fucking work. It is a work. Um, you know, I was one of the guys who organized the Democrats to vote for Santorum in Michigan. And, I mean, all I did when I, when I did the media tour was be a heel. I was literally doing a, a cheap Bobby Heenan impression, and and people just eat it up. But I did they put I, you on TV and stuff? Yeah, I did stand up uh, interviews with CNN. Um, I did Aaron Burnett's show to, uh, Monday night. Um, I almost wore a Ron and Fez t shirt, but my wife told me not to. Um, <laughs> and all it is is a heel turn. I mean, yeah, there's core beliefs that we're we're pushing, um, but I'm a Democratic political consultant. And I, you know, a lot of it is a complete work. I mean, because I'll go trash people um, in the media and then have a beer with them. Now, you do this professionally? Yes, for about 20 years now. Now, after that's together, you all get together and you're like, hey, it was a good show? Uh, or some, I'll, some, I'll, I'll get you next time. time? Yes. Most of the time, yes. Most of the time, it's not personal. Um, but you're absolutely right that it's, that it's a work. Um, Unless it, it, you attack someone individually, like I didn't jump on the the, the Breitbart thing. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like the guy, but there's four kids who are crying themselves to sleep tonight and probably for the next five years because of this guy dropping dead. Um, I'm not. I'm not. But whatever humanity I have left, um, I can't go that far. 
Now, let me just bring up one, and I thanks for, for calling and being honest about it, but what is your, I mean, if you're playing the part of a heel, what do you think of the audience? What do you think of us? Do you think that we have to be manipulated? Do you think? Um, no, no. In fact, um, you know, you have to make a decision if you're going to, usually I'm playing to the Democratic base, so I want them to be cheering. And I want the um, I want the other side to be to be you know throwing beer bottles at me, which is exactly what happens. I don't think they need to be uh, manipulated. Um, I think it's more of a case of trying to be colorful to keep people motivated and agitated and uh, engaged in the process. I mean, you know, you have to say outrageous shit for people even to pay attention to you. Because if you just give us straight information, we're never going to get it. Absolutely. You have to be colorful. You've got to be in your face. You've got to be controversial. Otherwise, no one will ever pay attention to your message. You've got to cut through the clutter. And, you know, that's what I, that's what I tell my clients. You've got to be vivid. And a lot of people get wrinkled when I say that politics is nothing but professional wrestling. But it is absolutely the God's truth that it's professional wrestling. All right, my yeah. friend. Thanks for uh, calling. I appreciate right, it. Thank you, and I guess you really screwed up with that Santorum thing, huh? That didn't work out. Um, let's go over here to... Um, let's go to Jason in Florida. You're on my face. Hey, Ron. I think, to your point, that we're all being drawn into this kind of, and we're all the same. I thought about this yesterday. It, the news that Breitbart died had came out when O&A were on. And they talked about it, and that's where I was exposed to him, kind of like the guy, whatever. And then the, the after show came on. And there were still people calling in. Sam was saying they had hundreds of phone calls of people calling in to try to be the first to break the news to ONA that Breitbart had passed away. And I thought, I mean, I thought about it yesterday. I'm like, that's kind of fucking disgusting. You know, everybody just wants to be first without any thought that this guy actually did have a family and was a human being. Well, you know, it's very weird, too, like you said, being first. Uh, everybody's Twitter account now is like the old stop the presses that immediately you want to put out there, just heard this happened, my people have just told me this. Yeah. Um, and, of course, sometimes it's not true, sometimes it is. Look how many times that we've said Bill Cosby's dead. Johnny Depp. Uh, lost Justin Bieber. Yeah, Justin Bieber. Multiple times. Or they have to come out and say, no, I'm not dead. Because it fucking trends. Because everyone just wants to, that one person says it, and then somehow an avalanche is it gets fucking trending on goddamn Twitter. The funny thing is, if you're not first, people are like, shut up, fuck you. I already know. I already know Justin Bieber and Bill Cosby were killed today. God, where were you? Jesus. Your Twitter blows. <laughs> um... Let's go over here to Charlie. Charlie, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, what's going on, Ryan? Hey, for the family, for people. But just a hypothetical, Ron, it doesn't have to be Breitbart, but what if a Republican or anybody was poisoned by the other side? What do you think would happen to them? Well, first of all, the hypothetical thing of that doesn't make any sense, so I don't know where to even start with it. But if anything happened there, the resulting scandal would be so outrageously large. You have to remember when people act like, well, the president is... We had... Bill Clinton couldn't get away with getting a blowjob. Do you think that a president would sign off on killing a journalist knowing 
that Watergate had already fucking happened. I, Someone's going to drop a dime. I can't imagine you go into the, the office thinking, I can't look at any women. I can't, you know, think you can't do anything. But you realize that we're not going to fucking, you're not going to get away with it. Somebody always fucking rats. Yeah. Um, that's a big problem for it. Um, Matt, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ron. Um, it's kind of weird, like, you know, when you someone close to you, whether it's your mother, your father, your brother, somebody dies, your whole world stops for, like, weeks where you just can't do anything. And then to think that there are people that just, like, can't wait to get the first joke out, it's, I mean, just more to your point that it's like, where the hell are we going? Like, no one's, everyone's afraid to show any real emotion, and it just, it's really shitty where our, our whole society, not just our country, but It's, it's kind of interesting, but have we lost, like, any empathy whatsoever? I mean, the, the, the entire um, thing behind the um, narcissism gimmick, right, that they try to throw out. Um, and we heard about it when Dr. Drew was in here. He was saying basically celebrities are narcissists. Something happened to them when they were younger or now they need this thing of love. But when you look that up, it's basically not being able to empathize with other people. You're that, yourself. Yeah, that if somehow Fred came in here and gave us bad news, it would mean nothing to me. I just have no way of processing. Look, it's not happening to me, so, how so I can't you know, feel it. Are we now a nation of narcissists? Are we a nation of people who no longer know how to feel empathy, that we don't think to ourselves? You know, uh, let's say in the, in the case of this guy, that he died, and people were acting like he died because, you know, karma, or he lived, you know, this world of hate, so that happened to him. I got news for you. Everyone is going to die. There's got to be some way for us, even as human beings, to say, look how fragile this whole thing is. I mean, we're just bags of meat, as we learned. Oh, so. hate that. Meat bags. But it's true. We're so fragile. Um... Let's go over to uh, Brian. You're on Renefest. Hey, what's up, Ron? Hey. Um, if you think about a um, hundred years ago, when you heard, you know, somebody was was heard to have died, or somebody, you know, was killed, or anything like that, it had to always be someone that was in your immediate circle, or in your little town, or someone that was really famous. Now think about it today. If you go on the internet or TV, or you watch a movie or something, you hear about it constantly. So of course we don't. It doesn't hit us as much anymore because, like anything in life, the more you do it, the more desensitized you come to it, and that's just who we are as, as humans now. It's not even just America; it's just everybody. You know, the internet, the TV, the movies. Everything has just made everything so in your face every day that we're, we're dead to everything anymore as as a as a as humans as a species. Yeah, I don't think I want to live my life that way. That's what it is, though. You, there's no other way to do it. You have to stop watching TV. I, I don't. I don't know if that thing uh, can control you the way that you're saying. I think that you could still keep this fucking piece together. Yeah. Uh, Gary, you're on the Run Fest show. Oh yeah, Ron. I agree 100. percent It's like there's no empathy towards people, but but then you watch the news, and all of a sudden the big flash. There's a dog stuck in a drainage pipe. And all of a sudden, the world stops for that. It's really funny. It's a really good point. Like, what if they would have said Andrew Breitbart's dog died? Then fucking people would be like, look, dude, I know what you're oh, going he, through. It's so sad. You may be a dick, house, but no one deserves the dog to die. more flowers for the dog than it would for him dying. Yeah, there's no... Uh, 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, now, got a little poll going up there uh, about this guy's blog. Do you think it went too far? Oh, the guy over on Rolling Stone. Uh, not cool. You don't have to dance on somebody's grave. Inappropriate and honest. I like it. Uh, 57% are on the not cool. Uh, 42%, which is a tremendous amount of people, would say, uh, no, it's honest. You got to do it. And my point is this. I don't even think it's honest. I think it's just really this gimmick of I'm going to play this character who says outrageous things. Just because you say awful things doesn't make that honest. Just because you play to your lower angels doesn't mean that somehow they're more important than your fucking higher angels. This guy that came out with it, um, he was on this immediately. He was on this really quickly. So he just saw, he definitely saw this as an opportunity to fi- get some fucking real shots in and get himself he, some fucking heat. I, I've read this guy's articles before. I don't like his writing style at all. It's very much just like that. Like, hey, I'm really in your face and I'm going to tell you how it is. But Save that for when he dies. Okay. Um, but here's the interesting thing about it. The people in the comments section are either attacking him in the same way or agreeing with him. In the same way. Um, Steve, you're on Runa Fez. Yeah, how's it going, Ron? I'm going to try to frame this question up the best way I can, but do you think it's like an issue of the media creating this kind of hate cycle, or do you think it's, it's more of an issue of the anonymity of the Internet allowing people to kind of use hate, and now the media is trying to tap into those people's feelings? If you're trying to, if you're following what I'm saying. I'm going to say it's a little bit of both, but I'm going to really say that it really comes down to you cannot blame the Internet and you can't blame the television. You are responsible for the way you you act. And maybe I'm even totally off on it. Maybe it's just because the day that he had his heart attack, I know that Fez was in doing stuff. Maybe that's why I was able to think of you know, hey, I could be in this fucking position right now. I could be the guy going over there to pick up my friend's fucking body. Plus, there's that Asian guy that collapsed. I know. I saw an Asian, Asian guy collapse downstairs yesterday. It was a very weird day. But maybe that's the only reason why I, I slowed it down. Maybe on any other day, I wouldn't have given a shit. I don't know. I would hate to think that. Um... Let's go over here to um, our buddy Blowhard. Hey, Blowhard. What kind of person takes delight in the death of someone regarding their political opinions? Uh, To me, we're losing our humanity. To me, society is narcissistic with the Twittering and all this me, me, me. It's all about just being a free agent. There's no sense of community anymore, and I think it's outrageous that people can take such great joy over someone who passes away who disagrees with your politics, what does it say about you as a person? Now, when you say, well, he did this and he did that, does that mean that you have to sink to that level? Whatever happened to the high road? Whatever happened to loyal opposition? Whatever happened to civil discourse? It's all going the way, like the caller said earlier, it's pro-wrestling. We've been saying this for years, Ronnie B., 
The whole political system is pro-wrestling, and if you believe in this two-party system, you might as well go watch WWE because that's all it is. It's all special interest, and when it comes down to making these personal attacks on a guy that you don't even know, but because he disagrees with you. I have certain opinions, and people immediately, instead of discussing it, will start calling you homophobe or racist, and we can't sit down and talk. There's no civility. It's all going out the window. And when you watch the idiots like Chris Matthews and the Sean Hannity's, it's simplistic. It is pro wrestling. It's like sitting there watching the Grand Wizard of Wrestling. It's just absurd. It's mindless. I try to tune out a lot of the idiot media because they just try to make news when there is no news. And the fact that this Taibi guy is writing that this guy died and he's a douche, again, how does this guy live a life and de- just deal with his, 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 his being by being such a happy person of right. death? I appreciate it, Blowhard. Let me go over here to Vinny. Vinny, go ahead, buddy. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Good. Hey, um, just want to say hello to Fez, and I hope everything's going good with them. Thanks, man. Um, hey, listen, I, I'm a real liberal, and, I, and I'm really, I think, a, a kind person. And, and I was kind of happy to hear that this guy died because this guy is an extremely ugly human being. And it's not that I hate all conservatives. If Bill O'Reilly died, I would be upset. Bill O'Reilly is a fair man. I don't agree with most of the stuff he says, but I do. But I, but I, I can see a human being in him. I don't see it with this guy. Um, so you were actually ecstatic that he died, like almost an enemy of the country died. Yes. Absolutely. So for and he you, brings upon, he brings upon this ugliness around him that brings this kind of hate. And, and, and seriously, I mean, even Hannity's a dope, but he doesn't bring the kind of hate that this guy did on uh, what he writes and what he did. All right, thanks. Uh, someone says, um, Ron says, Gilbert Godfrey making a tsunami joke equals okay. Rolling Stone writer making a Breitbart joke equals not okay. I don't ever remember when I said uh, it was okay or not okay. I don't have a problem with this guy expressing himself in Rolling Stone any way he wants. I don't remember being like, uh, I don't think you heard a lot of fucking tsunami jokes out of me. I thought it was beyond tragic. Uh, sometimes, let's suppose this, suppose you even felt this stuff to your, to yourself. Suppose you like, you felt like this gentleman just called, but then you didn't f- even think the need to express it. You know, what has ever happened to that? What has ever happened that, that we get down to this point that we need to express everything immediately? Why not give it 24 hours, 48 hours, a week before you finally said, you know what? I've had some time to think about it. And I can honestly tell you. Because everyone has a fucking forum now. Everyone has a Facebook or a Twitter. Some stupid shit like that. So everyone has a chance to put their fucking thoughts out. I get it. But a real journalist in the old days would not have been considered a great journalist without wrestling with his thoughts before he put them on paper. It wasn't just about... um, Having your brain puke all over a fucking paper and then put it out there. I mean, that's, yeah, anything you create, you want to, you know, 
let it soak in for a little while. You don't want to immediately put it out there like I immediately draw something and I want everybody to see it. You want to be like, what is, you know, what does this mean? And where's even any of the cleverness? You know what I mean? Like if you really look back to some of our uh, old wits, political wits that that you know used to do this type of stuff, they were funny or they were fucking cruelly funny. But it wasn't just like, fuck that dude. Glad he's dead. He's a dick. <laughs> Give a, it a little time. Got him. Work a, on it. There's a letter in the uh, the uh, the public library museum here from a letter from Groucho Marx that he wrote. Uh-huh. It's hysterically brilliant, and it totally tears this guy apart. But it's like it's really witty and uh, brilliant. Like he just you know destroys this guy, but he does it in such a civil way. And, like, so sarcastically. Uh, by the way, I want to say Rich from Georgia sent us this. And it's amazing. Sent it to the editor at the Interbank. It's really cool now, since we've set this up, of how many people are kind of helping us show prep this stuff. Um, and then we could go back and read what some of the people think on the Interbank, too. Um, let's go over here to Graham. Graham, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, I was just calling to say, uh, I think there's a lack of empathetic people in society because I don't think empathy is a hardwired emotion. Like, I don't think people are born with it. I think that's life experience. And I think also, like, uh, people's ranges of life experience have been limited by just, like, all the kids are, aren't allowed to go out and play like they used to and just that sort of thing. And everybody's so wrapped up in their own life with all their uh texting and all that bullshit. But I think there's just, it's just going to be that way and it's going to get worse. All right. Thank you, my friend. Here's John. John, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, Ronnie Pepper. Uh, I just want to say that uh, the problem with a lot of these news uh, channels and reporters are that they all they all want to one-up each other. They all want to get the scoop. They all want to get it for ratings to say, we got it first and you didn't. So, well, here's the thing. I don't even think this comes down to news. This is regular people now. I think the idea of sitting around and and blaming the media is almost antiquated. I think we are all oddly becoming our own fucking media. Each person out there is kind of the media. Yeah, and people put shit out all the time. And it gets fucking you know passed on to everyone else that you know. I guess this is stuff we're just gonna have to sort out as it's unfolding. Cause I'm we, not even sure we're going to sort it out. All right, this fucking phone blows. I'm going to hear back myself. Uh, Jason, Jersey, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, what's up, Ronnie? Yeah. Uh, you, have, you have some good points, but, but um, on the other, you know, A, this guy is not a journalist, and, and he kind of brought it upon himself by the way that, that you know, he put himself out in the world. And uh, B, you know, part of the you're, you're missing that, the point. I'm saying the thing about him bringing it on himself and you feeling that way is you are now bringing it on yourself. You are him. Yeah, no, I, there's I no difference between the two of you. But my second point being is that, like, I think now more than ever we see how important things like politicians are. I mean, imagine if Bush wasn't in office. You know, imagine if it was Gore, we wouldn't have had these two wars to deal with. You know. What so does that important. have any? Yeah, uh, the fact but, that that you're saying it's important is then why take yourself down and make it on this shitty level? Why not have it on a high level? You know, the thing that you're talking about right now is whether or not we would have went to war. It's a fine discussion to be in. 
the discussion about condoms and this and that and who fucked who and who's a piece of shit and who's garbage. That's where we are at. And it almost the fact that you're saying that it's important, this type of attitude that we have toward, towards politics, where most of us think that politicians are crooks, most of us think the people who work in um any of the PR firms that are with politicians, you know, any of the consultants, we think of them as lower lower than whale shit. That feels like a yeah. given. I mean, we don't, anyone who's on K Street, we think is a piece of shit. The lobbyists. Yeah. I mean, we just don't have any high ideas to any of this stuff. We uh, think that they're all shit. It's depressing. And how do we fucking pull back out of it? But if you want to sit down and go, would Gore have taken the country in a different direction did bush go in for the right reasons you know those discussions yes we should be having but when you start talking about whether or not you know people are this that with their personal lives and all this shit it just means that you don't care about the high ideas anymore that you're really doing this because it's fun gossip um let's go over here to mark mark in canada you're on Hi, Roz. How you doing? Or Ron. How you doing? Uh, Scummy Roz. Sure, Roz. Um, I work with someone who's only five years younger than me. She's never seen an actual newscast. Unless something pertains directly to her, she doesn't give a fuck. And her Facebook, she updates it every two minutes. Like, I'm not kidding. It's like every two minutes, oh, I'm here. I moved 10 feet over. I moved another 10 feet over. Not exaggerating. Unless it affects her, she doesn't give a fuck. Have a uh, great day. You too. I mean, she's got to check in places, you know, Foursquare this thing. Uh, Bobby, you're on my Fez. Hey, how's it going today, guys? Yeah. Um, I don't really, it's, you know, celebrating somebody's death is just really wrong, no matter who it is. I mean, even on the battlefield, you, you know, you have a respect for your enemy. You mourn their loss. It's not so much that, you know, people are saying stuff. It's what does that say about the people who are saying it? Well, it's very interesting that you said that because remember when the the picture came out where I guess they were rangers or somebody that were pissing yeah, on, the on the corpses and how many people in the media and, of course, on Twitter were defending that. Now, you didn't hear anybody in the military defending pissing on the corpses. Well, you no, know? I think that's just as wrong and just as bad, and you should have felt sympathy for, you know, those, for those guys. You know, I mean, they're dead. There should be a respect there for the deceased and i know i was in the marine corps i know there was always you know taught by you know my sergeants and and even back to my drill instructors you know you have there's a certain level of respect that you should have well let me tell you something since you were in the uh, marine corps i think you could do very well in improvisational comedy i'd like to see at ucb like rob riggle did get a couple classes and move on up just need 350 dollars from you by the way, Fred, when Fred talked about how attractive I, it was, and I was like, today, I'm like, well, at least I'm going to get out of the gay discussion I'm stuff for a while. Just a nice break from it. I'd say I, wa- I wasn't the one who was attracted to them. I just said in, in general, he's... Who would say uh, it? Who, what? who says it about another man? Whoever says that man's very attractive. And it's only guys sitting around saying it. There's no other guys for you to say it to. Good God. Who, how does that come up? I don't, I don't it's his know. own dark thoughts. Just seeping out into the fucking air. Really creepy, Fred. I'm sorry. I was just trying to 
make a point. Hey, whatever you are, I mean, one thing we learned from Fez is get out of that closet. Feel better about yourself. You'll be stopping so nervous and anxious around these people. I, oh, this is true. I am kind of anxious. All right. Um, this person says, I don't think this is a brand new thing, hating on the dead. <clears throat> I couldn't have been the only one that was cheering when Owen Hart died. He was such a jerk to Stone Cold. Come on. That was an accident, and they were fucking live that night. It's terrible. Were you watching that night? Yeah, I was watching that night, me yeah. Too. You should have called me. <laughs> I think I was in high school at the time. Hey, man. <laughs> did you see what happened? <laughs> fucking Blue Blazer. <clears throat> blue Blazer was so funny. I love the Blue Blazer. Um, here's Jack in Jersey. You're on Manifest. Hey, Ron. Uh, this guy used to be a liberal. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's one. And, and, and the other thing, so he flips over, and then I'm watching his YouTube uh, clips last night, and just going back to that other caller with the staged signs made, they don't know why they're out there, they're getting paid. I mean, that, that's, that's eye-opener. All right, my friend. Take All right, care. man. With the lights out. Uh, Liam, you're on the Run Face Show. Hey, Ronnie B. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, if you're uh, in any way an analytical person, then you can strip away the context from the whole the whole Breitbart thing and forget about who he was and just see it as a person. And at the end of it, it's just sitting across from someone saying, oh, well, he did this when he was alive, so now I can do it now that he's dead. It's still just... You know, you're no fucking better than that guy if you just break it down to the most primal aspects of what the whole thing was altogether. No, I agree um, 100%. 100% that at some point you have to say, aren't we all humans? Let's take a step back. I mean, if you saw people looting and you were like, that's awful, but then you were like, you know, I'm going to go grab some TVs for myself. You just become those people. Well, but I do like so to bad. get some fucking TVs. I mean, you get free shit in the looting situation. That's true. It's a good opportunity. And since everyone's stealing, you ain't gonna get caught. But you're just lowering yourself to that person's level then. But still, you're gonna be that. sitting there with a nice, beautiful TV. Yeah, maybe it's a good point. And you only got one chance to get it. Maybe they're raising their level to mine. You ever think of that? <laughs> no. <laughs> we got a break here. I've had enough of Fred screaming about where society has gone. One thing after a fucking another. Every minute of the day, I gotta hear about him. Where does he fucking get off with that shit, man? Wish he was dead. God, I'd fucking post about it immediately. Why? You see me, Fred, fucking dead, yo. I would actually do this. What a fucking asshole. I was just like this. I would just post, OMG, I was just with him. And then I would have a picture of me crying and holding a candle. And then when people said stuff, I'd be like, I'm in a really bad place right now. A very good friend of mine just died. Look at my iPad. It has a candle on it. I don't know why you, I can't get your support when I just lost a very good friend of mine. Rotten piss. <laughs> Rotten piss, motherfucker. I'd like to rest in peace, not piss. You'll be riding in a pool of piss. That's where we're going to oh, bury you. Fuck. Uh, 
We're going to break here. Who's 70 years old today? Rockstar. Mick Jagger? No. Bowie? No. no it's not Bowie. He just had a birthday the yeah, other day. January's his birthday. 65, I think. Come on, dude. Rockstar. I'll tell you, Patriot State of this show. Oh, shit. Um, Geldof. Why would Geldof be a patron saint? I don't know. Leonard Cohen? No. You're all around it, boys. You're just peppering all around it. God damn it. I just want to hit this fucking bullseye. <laughs> uh, Miss. <laughs> Fuck, what do you say? I had the fucking headphones off. Fuck. Lou Reed. Bang! Giant, son of a bitch! Fuck! Damn, 70? 70 years young. Shit, Lou. And I want to play football for the coach. Uh, why don't we break? Come back with a little Lou Reed for everybody. Let everybody get a little sweet Lou. Run a Fez show. I know what you mean. Ron Bennington, Fez Wally. The Ron and Fez show continues next.
And happy birthday, sweet Lou. 70 years old today. Sweet Lou. Lou Reed. Going strong. Velvet Underground. Remember when someone found like the original pressing? It was like maybe a couple of years ago. And it went for like a, of the first album. And it went for like oh, $200,000 on yeah, eBay. I bought it. I'm the guy who You it. have it? Yeah. Holy shit. How's it sound? I wouldn't know. I destroyed it. Why would you destroy it? What? Personal, personal reasons. I have my own personal reasons, and Lou Reed knows exactly what they are. Uh, we actually just put up something. Happy 70th birthday to uh, Lou Reed, who we're now calling the great street poet Lou Reed. On uh, some songs up, including that one, Sweet Chain. It is the uh, Ron and Fez show. I only see one up there. I don't see seven. I'm having trouble getting on the entire bang. Oh. Server juice. Well, a lot of server juice today. It's a very, very busy day. Of course, it's always busy on the day the Filtered Excellence goes up. Good stuff on their new album, putting uh, Woody Guthrie's unfinished lyrics and music. Great Sports Illustrated article about Minnesota youth hockey. And New York Times photo archive all up on, if you go to the iBang, it's all up under filters, filtered excellence. I got people asking me about the contest winner that we were going to do today. We're going to postpone that till Monday. Now, everybody who got in by the Thursday night at 12 o'clock, they're still the only people that can do it. Uh, And there was a ton of people that went in for that. But we got to wait because with Fez going down, I had to go there last night and so many people that we're going to need all weekend to go through it. There's a lot of videos. Monday we'll we'll put up hundreds and hundreds of local commercials. And I'm not even making up those figures. There's over 200 local commercials that came in. Jesus Christ. And I ain't from any of these places, so I don't know what everybody's yelling about. Uh, 
I believe we've got a Lyle Lovett interview coming up on the show today. Um, before we get to that, though, you had the uh, kid in the suburbs uh, with his hair fire. What yeah. happens in the suburbs these days? I don't know. People get way too fucked up, and then they get they run out of the fucking shit, and then they get bored as hell. So this kid just starts setting his head on fire over and over and over again. Why is that so funny to people? I have no fucking clue. Now, the thing is, how many times you can cut, catch your hair on fire before you're burning it down to the scalp? Yeah, and then it's done. This kid is a fucking moron. He may be the dumbest kid in history. It was ridiculous. This is a ridiculous video. Why did you whisper it like that? Like you, like you were the mom. Like it's ridiculous the way he acts. So ridiculous. Or like sweet nothings in the Rob Riggle's ear. Rob, don't you think this is silly? I told my friends I thought you were the most attractive man I've ever seen. <laughs> Not the most. Does that make you feel good? I stare at your picture often. <laughs> I think about how it would be if you held me. <laughs> That's awful. Jesus. Here's what I want you also to do. Go through the Lou Reed thing and pick out your most attractive picture, Fred. You got five choices on the happy 70th birthday. Okay. So here's the, here's the kid fucking... You were the one who found this? Yeah. That's what the fucking people want. That's what the fucking people want. He's eating fire as his hair burns. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And some guy with a blunt on his hair. <laughs> well, they're cool because they, they want. Bunch of empty liquor bottles in the background. Okay, bro. How does it not burn down to a scalp, though? Yeah, Go. I thought hair yeah. just goes right yeah, up. Get it. Oh, bro. bro Is there something going. about his hair? Going, bro. Their, keep, they keep on hitting it with fucking just dousing it in hairspray. Oh, yeah. Go. As it gets get it. Get it. on fire, it's, it's not actually burning the hair. Another one. Another one. It's yeah. fucking, it's just burning off the hairspray. <laughs> But this fucking kid just now eventually does actually burn his fucking head. He's retarded. But why doesn't it go straight up? Because the fire isn't actually isn't feeding off the hair. It's feeding off all the hair spray. They're just dousing his fucking hair in hairspray. So this is like a carny act. And they felt they needed to go to YouTube. It must smell awful though. Isn't burning hair oh, yeah. one of the worst smells? No, it's one of the best smells. It smells like somebody's like a dog just caught on fire. That's also a really bad smell. Oh, it is? I think so. Reminds me of Thanksgiving. That That's your Thanksgiving memory? It's one of them. Why judge me all the time when I do nothing but support you? No, I want to support, but that's just still a strange thing to associate with Thanksgiving. just support whether it's strange or not. Oh, correct. I get curious sometimes. By curious? No. Uh, which Lou Reed picture did you pick for yourself? I'm going to go the fourth one to the left, the one where he's got the sunglasses on and there's like a, a lens flare going on there. That's what you like, huh? Yeah, kind of like that one. Kendall in Texas writes on the Lou Reed, uh, loved how they opened the show with one of his songs to honor him. What the fuck? Dude, it's Black fucking Friday. Get it fucking straight. We couldn't start... Just because we don't start the show doesn't mean it's not just as good. It's still a fucking tribute. Kendall, that's your real name. You're fucking listening, huh? 
I had a fucking guest on too. A Marine colonel who now does comedy. You understand what that fucking means? My friend just had three stents put in his chest and I don't need this shit. You get it? See what I'm dealing with? God. Could someone please forward Friday me with everything I'm going through? FF. Is that too much to ask? Fred, come in here. I don't like you in the other room. I miss you. I just got to figure out a few things first. What are you, What's he working out? I don't know. What are you trying to figure out? I'm just trying to figure out some. Uh, come on in, Fred. Home. I got. Right, it. Right. Don't worry. Okay. Just come. What's on he in. trying to figure out? Yeah, just breaks. We have we have breaks. Fucking built up. Whatever. It's fine. I got it in my own head. Which might be bad or good, depending on how. you I'll do break that. right this fucking second. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> God damn it! What do you think of the weird couple pranking each other online? I don't understand this kind of relationship. It's this couple that when one person is uh, sleeping, um, the other one is going and fucking with them. I couldn't live like this, man. No. You have to have somebody that you trust. You can't live in fear of pranks. But, like, this is their joke with each other. You know what this is like? It's uh, Pink Panther. It's like him and his Asian fucking houseboy. <laughs> and they're just going at it. I don't like a prank. Like, if I was on Punked, I'd be fucking pissed off. Yeah. Nobody likes to be pranked. Oh, I thought some people do. Like, they put up with... Like, George Clooney's friends are always like, Oh, George got me so good. He told me my dad had died when it was really my mom that had passed away. Oh, George. Yeah, him and fucking uh, Brad Pitt are going back. Yeah, I've been working on a fucking prank for like two or three years. I'm going to get his ass. I would have said I'm working on a fucking prank, too, and I just start putting bullets in a fucking handgun, staring at him. Here's the fucking prank I got for you, Clooney. First you, then Keebler. Some prank. <laughs> Maybe I'll shoot Keebler first so you have to watch her die. Uh, I also want you to go to this. Uh... New music from the talented Sherwin Sleeves. Oh. Sleeves wrote a song about Fez Watley uh, coming out. Nice. And what could be nicer than that? Mm, probably not a lot. Nothing. Well, you guys want to play it or are you into yeah. it? I, I fucking love yeah, Sleeves. I didn't know whether you did or not. Oh, love Check them. it out. Fucking oh, happened. Jesus. I was just trying to get into it and enjoy it, and it died on us. Oh man! Did the link not work? Do we got to pay for the whole thing? What? What's going on? We pay for everything. Oh. 
So does it, it, it doesn't pick up from there? No, it cuts off. This is really weird. All right, we'll get to work on it. All right. We'll try to have it. I was enjoying that. Just talking oh, about so it. I, it was a beautiful song. It was very nice. I like they mentioned the Bowery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with mentioning the Bowery? I liked it. That's okay. where Seabees. Yeah. Never forget. Is that what you say now? Never forget? Also, if you see something, say something. Hands in hands, boy, oh man. Is he talking about hands bananas in that song? <laughs> it's hands bananas. <laughs> you know what? I will say this. You two love hands bananas. And if I was Dan Perlman, I would be pissed. D the P? Yes. Yeah, he should be pissed. Hands bananas is fucking going past him like a fucking shot. Why? How did it happen to Dan Perlman? There's... He's the one who came in with the great name right off the bat. Yeah. Well, you know, Hands bananas fucking broke out that Hands bananas thing fucking out of nowhere. Hands bananas. <laughs> Sleeves. Like the Fez song, but would rather you write something about Hands bananas. Can you rework this? <laughs> All right, here's something on the entire bang I thought you guys might get into. Five music videos directed by the great Michel Gondry. Oh, now, hell yeah. I don't know whether you guys know this or not, but a few years ago, he was going to do the show. Oh. And I'm like, holy shit. Michel Gondry's. This is just basically when I started at, at XM. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even serious yet. You know, at one time, XM was its own corporate. Gather around when I'm telling stories. <laughs> oh. XM was its own corporation. Wow. So they say to me, Michel Gondry's coming in. I just say, shut the fuck up. They go, no, he's coming in to do the show. And this is before we started getting great fucking guests like we do now. So I go in the air and I go, you guys aren't going to believe this. Later on the show today, Michel Gondry. Michel Gondry's coming in. What? Not only did he not come in, he didn't call and never gave a fuck. That's now, weird. unlike you guys, I didn't get angry, and that doesn't make me hate him. Because I think he's fucking brilliant. He's very talented. He's a genius. But because of that, I very rarely mention people. Unless I know they're in the building, I don't say we got them coming in. No, you don't want to jinx him. I don't want to fucking make myself look like the Michelle Gondry idiot. Does he live in New York? Because I have friends who say that they, they try and stalk him occasionally. Uh, I think he keeps a place in New York. Okay, because they're always... Uh, they tell me they're on the lookout for Michelle, like they try and follow him around. No, he is such, uh, obviously, a great filmmaker, but his video work is brilliant. There's yeah. two fucking video uh, director, uh, music video directors. It's him and Spike Jones, and he's yes. right there with Spike Jones. I fucking, Michelle Gondry's videos are fucking amazing. And isn't it weird that they both start doing Charlie Kaufman stuff? It's just yes. fucking great. Uh, here's just a five on it The Mad World by. Uh, Gary Jules. You know what? We don't even have to put the music up if you don't want to. But it's it's stunning, this video. And incredibly weird. Yeah. Like, not a comfortable video to watch. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people have talked about videos since the 80s. Since back when we had the original VJs. You know, they've been kind of forgotten about. Yeah, it's... it's... But this video is so strange and it's so bleak and I don't even understand why it makes me feel weird when I watch it. It's the ability to direct this and, and just put this together to have these people creating these images. It's amazing. But you know, the other thing that's weird about him is like, you ever notice that the images are always kind of imperfect mm -hmm. rather than being some kind of CGI perfection? 
It's he great. It goes for this really old school kind of look. Sometimes it reminds me of even like Dolly, you know? But look at even this shot here, and then it comes up, and there's just the singer after all that time. It's very weird. Wow. Hanging out over the roof. It's gorgeous. Um, there's one. Two, got to be your fucking favorite. And we will put, bring up some sound on this. Uh, hardest button to button with all those fucking drums and shit. All of his White Stripe oh. videos were fucking amazing. Yeah. This, uh, Deadly is in Dirty Ground and... The Lego one. The right? Lego one, yeah. Fall over the girl. But this, just them going through the park. Well, here's what I loved about this one. Doesn't this look like the 60s instead of... Oh, you know it, what I mean? It looks like 60s fucking Liverpool. Right. Did you ever see when The Simpsons did this? Oh, yeah. Fucking hysterical. Jack White is uh, doing Saturday Night Live this week. I'm tuning in. I'm there. Would you like to go to the show? Yeah, fuck yeah. God, yeah. Let's go. Just let me know when you want something like that. All right, next one, Foo Fighters, Everlong. Um, the weirdness of this, of the cross-dressing. Oh, that's so fucking weird. And then, you know, I saw this, like, little doc with Gundry, and he said that, you know, remember, like, the big hands weirdness in yeah. this? And I don't know where the fucking Teddy Boys as gangsters starts to happen, like, these bad Teddy Boys <laughs> from, like, which was, like, 1960s stuff. But he'd had dreams where his hands kept growing. So he just throws that into a Foo Fighters. I'm going to implant this into your guys' shit. Weird as shit. Totally bizarre. By the way, I never hear you talk about the Foo Fighters, but I don't know... Uh, this band does hold up fucking rock and roll for me. Uh, it's great. Did you see the documentary about that their new album or whatever? It came out maybe like know, six months ago or something. I watched it. It was great. Dave Grohl was the shit. Is that TV? It was on. I think it was on the VH1. Call me when that happens. Call me with the VH1 schedule. Just like, hey, something new is coming on right now. <laughs> and the weird fucking punk thing. Like, there's no reason. Doesn't tie in with the song at all, which I always love. I literal interpretations of videos are the worst. The best are when they're just kind of like really out there. Well, when it's literal, it reminds you like when a fucking three-year-old girl is dancing to a song yeah. and trying to fucking just do everything, like for heart points at her heart. That's why Michelle Gondry is so great for these because she has just like a, a vast imagination for you know how he interprets these videos or how how we do interpret the songs. You know what? So much of his shit reminds me of Fever Dreams. Just really strange, feverish dreams. Yeah. The oh, giant oh, hands. Creepy. The giant hands, creepy. And didn't Spike Jones direct that ludicrous video where he had giant hands too? Now you got me. Maybe you should go work on a fight uh, on a Spike Jones five, or maybe amazing. Hicks would. Like I would to love do that. to. Do, I would love to do a Spike Jones five. You know what? I decided. Hands Bananas gets the door. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I I would be mad, but since it's Hands Bananas, 
No, you can do it. That'll be your thing. Fuck yeah. What are you going to do it? Seven months? No. Next week. Done. Five. Spike Never going to happen. All right. Let's go. <laughs> then people are like, why all the videos? A giant phone, you can't pick it up. Yeah, he's got a giant fucking phone, so I mean, his phone's a little bigger than most people's. Um, Ryan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Oh, Ronnie nailed it. I just I, that video totally reminded me of having really nasty fever. You're laying in bed, and all of a sudden, you see your feet getting bigger and getting like 20 feet long or something. Just, you know, totally when, when I was a uh, a little kid, I was first grade. Uh, I got scarlet fever, and the fever came in that was just ridiculous. This is what kids used to fucking die of before penicillin came in. So I get this massive 105, 106 degree Christ. fever, and I'm just fucking burning up, and I'm a little kid, and I was hallucinating like when I saw the walls moving, breathing, and shit crawling oh, across the walls, the but I started getting... Uh, Audio hallucinations, too. So you're hearing I shit. I started hearing shit. And you're and, seeing all sorts of crazy fucking... Yeah, I'm hearing just stuff. And some of the stuff that happened, I remember I kept hearing, like, two piano keys over and over and over that weren't there. It's fucking... And then another thing that my dad was just screaming at me. Like, just yelling mean stuff oh at me. Oh, my God! And I'm fucking sweating out this fever. It was like a bad acid trip, but for somebody who's, you know, six years old or whatever. Junior That's acid. That's horrifying. It was like junior acid. Now I'm always trying to get another fever. <laughs> no thanks on the penicillin. Um, Brandon in Mississippi, you're a Fez. Yeah, what's up, fellas? Yeah. Hey, I was just calling in. Y'all talking about Michelle Gondry. I was going to ask if you've seen the movie that he just did. It was called uh, Science of Sleep, and it literally is about dreams. It's uh, Yeah, did I did it. see that one. That was a uh, French film, right? Um, Yeah, it's all in French and Spanish subtitles. It's got a... Got a bunch of different actors from all over the world. Well, I got it with the English subtitles, but um, kind of helped me understand <laughs> yeah, what was no, going no, on. <laughs> That's what I meant, English subtitles. It's spoken in French. <laughs> Same <laughs> thing, English, Spanish, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, thanks. It, yeah. Um, now, this one, this next one is a Kyle Minow, and I don't know whether, you know, she never played a big here in the States, but you could just... Uh, this is actually one that you can watch a million fucking times. I don't think I've ever seen this well, one. Well, first of all, of course, she's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. Um, but, so this is somewhere in France, this little area. And she's just kind of walking around this, like, little town square. And you have to wait until she laps once. And all sorts of shit's happening. All, all the stuff over. is why you can watch it over and over. You can just watch the background characters constantly. Now, as she comes across the street here, she gets uh, joined by another character. And it's where it starts to all kick in. Now, watch out of that little store area there. Here comes Kylie Minogue. Oh, what the so fuck? So there's what? two of them. <laughs> and That's awesome. So, and this background stuff is not on a loop, so different stuff is happening. It's similar. You remember in the, like, the last shots? Yeah. 
Things keep happening. It's really, really weird. It's incredibly complicated. And it's visually just shocking. And oh my God. Kylie Minogue has such a great ass that you could just sit here and enjoy that. Everything's doubling. This is bizarre. Yeah. The best stuff is always you trying to figure out how they would have done it too. You're like, how do you even like come up with? I don't begin. I I couldn't begin to understand. Like the like amount of preparation you have to do in order to shoot something like this. Well, yeah, you're right. Like the idea of court. Look, look at even that. Like she's kind of doing stuff in and out of her other character. So you would have to know every step. So you're never sharing the same area at all. See how there's an extra ladder yeah. from the oh, time no. before? Another Kyle Minogue pops up. It's wild, man. Old people amazing. throwing shit out the window. Yeah. I really think that this might be the most genius thing that he did. But because it's like a pop song, less people are going to you know, pay attention to it. Make sure you check out Filtered Excellence this weekend and coming up in just a little bit. Uh, I love it. Uh, and last chance to get in on the Unmasked. We had some people that needed to cancel. Your chance to hang out in a small room with a giant TV star, Fran Drescher. It's next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, 4 o'clock. Mm -hmm. starts. Got to be here by what? 3? 3, 3.30? 3.30. Yeah, if you can be here in Midtown Manhattan by 3.30, should come on by. Or you should tell us. Alright, and then the last one of this is Bjork, which he and Bjork have done a bunch of oh, shit together, yeah. and it's just weird as shit. I mean, great. Yeah, she's incredibly weird herself. So when yeah. they get together... And Gandhi's able to actually just bring her vision to fucking life. Yes. Um, this one is very odd because she does the, uh, for whatever, gimmick of dressing up like an animal through the whole thing. And, like, she, <laughs> there's an explanation on here, but it's basically... Um, Her saying, like, the way animals look at us. Uh, people writing in, uh, Let Forever Be, The Chemical Brothers, Fire on Babylon, Sinead O'Connor, um, Radiohead, Knives Out. Oh, that's a great video. Yeah. I think he also did one for the Living Sisters. That was interesting. Well, I think he's probably done, what, 40, you think? He's done a lot. The Mad World video was filmed in Hoboken. That's fucking great, Further Man. I didn't know that. Because I was wondering where the hell that was. I thought it was like England or something. Gundry's just a genius. Yeah. It's all brilliant.
And he just did a uh, uh, commercial in Japan for this guy. And he, he did the giant limbs thing again. This is just giant foot. It was oh, a yeah, bizarre yeah. commercial. Guy getting his hand caught in a door. Yeah. And his hand just swells up. It just looks amazing. All right. So that's the Michelle Gondry's. And uh, you're going to come back and do Spike Jones next, huh? Yeah. I I just gave a quick look over and just, just look over my head. There's just, I don't know if I can. It's too many. I got to take this down to five. There's so many I love. Uh, for me, did he do the one with Christopher Walken dancing or is that not him? That might be. I think that might that's be That's Weapon him. of Choice. That's him. That is him? Yeah. But the other one, I think it was a Fat Boy Slim, where they acted like they were dancers, but they were all Praise dead. you. Crazy. Yeah, and they were doing it in front of, like, people in the street. Oh, I God. mean, I, like, literally, the first time I saw that, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. That's fucking amazing, him just leading that troop of people. I love when people can't dance and act like they can, and that's why I'm a huge Beck fan. The, the Beck fucking <laughs> acting like he's a hip-hop star always has killed me. He also did a bunch of Beastie Boys, too, right? Oh, yeah, Sabotage. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jesus! He did oh, the breeders, sabotage too. is fucking gigantic. Holy the shit. cannonball. This is going to be a hard list to put together. Yeah, well, I got it. Don't gonna... fucking worry. <laughs> about all right, it. I'm just saying. Maybe we should of... all do separate lists. <laughs> Let's go! I have it. There's some really strong songs on here. Yes. Strong videos. All right, the Sherwin sleeve song for Fez is uh, rebooted here and ready to go. All right. Reboot. Um, we'll take a listen to this. Uh, does he give a name to it? It's just a Fez song. It says Swedish Daydream, I think. Oh, up that's here. nice. It's like, that's how I think of Fez. Swedish Daydream. Rest in peace. Well, a fella don't see it go Rockin' the boat of the regular scene On a rocky old sea Drown in the sea cause they did it that way You don't do it that way But eyes closed, fast and slow Sweet and steam, that I know Hands in hand, boy and man All good people understand but a fellow can't say it He'll get treated for rabies or mental disease Some new heart therapy All the pills in the graveyard Never wake from their sleep Cause they did it that way You can't do it that way But eyes closed, fast and slow Sweetest daydream that I know Hands in hand, boy man All good people understand But eyes closed, fast and slow Sweetest daydream that I know Well, that's lovely, Sleeves. Um, I will tell you this. I would have had no idea if it was about Fez unless you told me. 
thought it was about hands bananas. <laughs> you, you won't get off the hands. I won't. Bananas. He's the sweetest daydream that I know. Whoa. Rob Burgle's going to be pissed. <laughs> I said he wasn't the most attractive. So. Here comes Hans Bananz, sweetest danger that I know. <laughs> Hans Bananz, leading all bands. Uh. Let's go over here to Greg. Greg, you're on the run of Fed's show. Hey, uh, Ron, listen. Um, I am going to Providence this weekend. I've okay. followed your advice on many other restaurants in New York. I was looking for maybe a heads up on uh, something in Providence. I got basically two lunches to cover and a dinner. Well, you know, I, I don't know Providence that well, but does the one, believe it or not, Zeet's dad does a show, a food show yeah. in Providence. What is his um, website? Uh, the t- it's a TV Maitre D. Let me grab the actual. Is it tvmaitredee.com? Yeah, TV Maitre D, and that's spelled M A I T R E D. Yeah, but, that's it. But here's the other thing, too. I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll give you Zeet's email, and you can write to him and check because you, you know, his dad knows that town inside and out. Oh, that'd be great. And, and listen, I know you're a big fan of Connecticut food. I want to give you a heads up on two restaurants. Great. The first one is, uh, both of them are in Fairfield, Connecticut. One is Cafe Lola. It's a little small, hole-in-the-wall French restaurant. Unbelievable food. The ratatouille, the mussels, it's fantastic. Great. The other one is Liana Stratoria. Two seatings, seven and a nine. You hit the nine o'clock, it's all fresh pasta. I highly recommend the veal meatballs. Sounds fantastic. I appreciate it, dude. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Um... Hands bananas. Oh, we do what we can with hands bananas. Good for hands. But a fella can't say it if he's treated for rabies or mental disease. <laughs> um, Dave, you're on a fence. Yeah. Uh, sounds like you put a little uh, Streets of Philadelphia in there on purpose. And uh, I got a question for Hicks. Yes. <laughs> Hicks. What? Why do you feel obligated to torture yourself and not drink beer during Lent uh, when you can't even recite the Lord's Prayer, my man? Fuck off. How about that? How about this? Is this is? For, There's I, a I, prayer for you. Yeah. There's a goddamn prayer yeah. for you. Oh, like, hey Jesus! I can't say your <laughs> prayers, but you know what? I'm fucking giving up for you. All right. So we're even. <laughs> We're even. You invented the universe, and I gave up beer for 40 days. So nobody owes anybody anything. And we're cool, right? <laughs> Shit. Look, you know what? We could both sit around here and puff our chest ups all day, or we could just be pals. Either way, I'm happy. Let's be pals. I can smoke a joint with you. We can fucking roll around on the ground like a couple of goddamn tree lobsters. That's some serious shit, the tree lobster shit. I liked your new thing. I'm going, uh huh, yeah. (laughs) Hi, it's Chris. Hey. Hey, it's Chris. What you want to talk about? Hans Bonans. Look at him with his great big cans. Those are the tits of Hans Bonans. 
he a boy or is he a man? <laughs> You're doing it like Neil Diamond. <laughs> He's coming to America. Oh, hands. <laughs> hands bananas on his way. There's no reason just to fucking... Just because you love his name doesn't mean you love him. Last night, uh, I'm, I got in the elevator with him, and he go, uh, goes, What's up, Hans? He goes, I have to go to Wendy's for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> or else he won't sign my paper. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm not going to sign your <laughs> fucking review unless you go to Wendy's for me. You're really hard on the interns. <laughs> yeah. They, they got to earn it. Yes. What's with you and Wendy's? Oh, well, I, um, we got some free Wendy's cards about six months ago, and I found them. Yeah. I, I put them away, so I was like, oh, shit. Time to go to Wendy's. This is a free meal. Oh, I remember I thought you were mad about that. I was mad, but then I was like, fuck it, I guess. It's only a couple bucks on here, but might as well use this it. This is like a $7 gift card. Yeah, somebody yeah, it was came $7. in. Somebody came in. I remember who it was. It was a guest. Yeah. And they said, we have gift cards. And I go, give them to my staff. And we're like thinking, hey, two gift cards, what is that, a thousand? You think it's a thousand? And other people go, no, it's probably only about a hundred a card. It was like seven bucks a card. Seven dollars even. Hans Bananas. Uh, Matt, you're on the Run of Fez show. Matt. Hello. Yeah. How you doing, Ronnie? On your business, Matt. Good. Uh, I wanted to talk to you. I know that you just spoke about Gondry, but a lot of people that I ask who are into, you know, into them a little bit have never seen that uh, Let Forever Be video from the Chemical Brothers. Have you? Yeah, I, that one, um, the stuff that he did with the Chemical Brothers is really fucking strong. He's just a brilliant guy. Um, Mike, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Uh, fun fact Friday. I remember when uh, I'm a big Spike Jones fan. So when he sabotage was nominated for MTV Video of the Year, I figured he'd win, but he actually lost to REM's Everybody Hurts, if you can believe that. Well, you know, the, the problem with that is you're going to be judged by the music. And that at that time, REM was at their kind of muscular peak. Yeah. And. Th then everyone did hurt, and they were getting out of their fucking cars and feeling sad in that oh. thing, you know? That was a very popular, but I don't think anybody ever thought it was more artistic, but that's the problem that you run into with this. You know, it's thought of as the singer's video more than the director's. Yeah. Poor Spike Jones. Uh, Spike Jones is doing okay. Fuck it. That's why I told you, like, no matter what you think of Kylie Minogue, that fucking video is just awesome. genius. It's awesome. And it probably works better with, like, a little pop girl like that than it would ever work with some rock guys walking around. That would probably get stupid. It'd be weird. Hans Bonans. Uh Coming up, we're going to be talking with one of the really great uh, Texas singer-songwriters. Uh, Lyle Lovett. It should only be a couple minutes away. Fezzi sounded great today, huh? He sounded really good. For just getting three stents put in. I think it's the pills. Like, pills are really good for your attitude. All right, so maybe he should be getting back on the pills then. And me. 
I don't know. Each of us should be on the pills. <laughs> Nobody's better than anyone else. It's medication time. Rounds, but no. Other stuff that's up on the IB wire. We won't have a chance to get all of it today. Um, the one figure death punch that Fred put up there. How a guy can break a window with just using one finger. Uh, well, actually, it's all Fred stuff. Looks like Chris was the big winner in terms of getting stuff out. But how do you exit the live shot? Was pretty funny. Yeah, we had a video the other week of the this girl who got caught and just like froze and didn't know how to do it. And then I found a video of a guy who just calmly rolls on out of there. Like he looked like a little kid, though, right? Yeah, he might be like an intern or something. I thought he was like twelve. I don't remember. I thought he looked like a like a teenager. All right, let's let uh, Hicks judge it. If we got a couple minutes, but I know we got to do a break. Uh, and then Chimpate's baby is always funny. I don't understand these people fucking around with animals in the zoo. With your fucking children? Yes. Don't Using the children as food bait. They should just be people, not bait. We saw a nice little warm up today, and it's not over yet. Kevin's got the latest. You got it, Vanessa. Today's oh, high temperatures were a few degrees warmer Behind than him. yesterday, but it really was the sun that made the difference. Plenty of sunshine to go around. We'll have more tomorrow and even warmer temperatures. We hit the mid to upper 40s across most of the that area. That kid's great. Now, that kid is great. Now, how old do you think he was? I'd say he's like an intern. And the fog. He's kind of a dreary day. 20 remember, years old. Okay. How old is Hans Bananas? Hans Bananas. Has the demeanor of, said, say, a 15-year-old, but he is, I believe, 21. Yeah, he's 21, but you might mistake him for, I don't know, maybe like a tween or... <laughs> I saw him in a beaver shirt, so... Uh, real quick, this just got to put up new. Um, Zuckerberg juggalos are up your ass. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. Well, Ron, uh, yeah. there's a new social network out there yeah. called the Juggalo Book. <laughs> And that's your baby? That's yeah. And this it's okay. So instead of liking a post, you whoop whoop it. Mm -hmm. And then you can identify yourself as a juggalo, a juggalette, or a juggaho. This seems like something that would be on 30 Rock. Like it's just like a premise that's not just <laughs> fucking thrown out there to be absurd. No, there's there they have a bunch of juggalos on there already, and the uh guy from Vice went on it and said within twenty minutes of signing up, there some broad was just giving him her his, uh her cell phone so she could sext him. Uh, Sweet. We've also put up the Frankenweenie, which is a new Tim Burton film. That's the thing that I guess he did as a short when he was a young man. Yeah, he did it for Disney in uh, 1984. He did the short film. Uh, and now he's doing it as a full film? Yeah, he's doing it as a... I think it's stop motion, but I think there's a lot of like CGI in there. Is he keeping it in black and white? Yeah, it's still all in black and white. And this might be the first like 3D movie all in black and white, which is interesting. Wow! Oh, shit. I might go to that just to see what it looks like. Black and white, I guess. Yeah, but does it pop out more? Does it I, pop out less? I, it would depend on whether they like shot it that way or if they color corrected it. Like, I think it would be cheesier if they just took all the color out using a computer. Like, I hope that they really filmed it like it was. I'm sure he did because he doesn't fucking CGI much, you know? I mean, he even uses the old kind of models instead of... It looks better. 
Yeah, I mean, and this is stop motion. Like, he wouldn't do it like a 3D. You guys didn't go to his thing at uh, MoMA? I tried to go one day, but the line was just ridiculously long. Couldn't get in. I When pissed. I went, I had to stand in line, too. And the weird thing was, they were, they were like, selling out. Like, I'm sorry, no more tickets today. Fuck. Yeah, I think it was ridiculously popular. Uh, and let's. you also had the shark one? Yeah, this is disturbing. What's happening there? Okay, so um, this uh, activist, Gary Stokes, he's, he's uh, from OceanicLove.com. He's just trying to help fucking animals. He rolls up on this a street in Hong Kong and finds a bunch of fucking shark fins that they're from dead sharks. It's fucking really creepy. All right, people can check that out. It's up on the iBang. Just it's an entire pretty much city block of Hong Kong, just fucking shark fins, just awful of fucking sharks. They're just slaughtered. Oh my god! And they got these Hong Kong people Ew, just sorting. That's shark disgusting. Fins. I thought it was going to be funny. No, it's 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 kind of sad. It's just Hong Kong people killing sharks left and right. Jesus, that's the worst thing I've ever seen for an entire city fucking block. You're fucking. You're emptying my oceans out. I didn't think there were that many sharks in the oceans. For them there aren't to... anymore. Why? Well, used it? to be. Oh. When I was a kid, you could lay up shark fins all the way up McDougal Street. <laughs> and then Hans Bonanz with all his shark fins. Um. Hey, Todd, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. How you doing, boys? Uh, I find myself right. in a little bit of a, a moral conundrum. Then let me play this before you say another word. Oh, no. It's a moral conundrum. Conundrum. Yeah, I find myself in a bit of a pickle here. I'm in uh, Oklahoma. It's just right across from the casino. And uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire is playing there tonight. But I have to have my load in Dallas by early morning. Now, if I go to the show... My load's going to be late, but I really like to see Earth, Wind, and Fire. Can I just tell you something? What's it's that? a fucking boogie wonderland. Fuck that load. You're a shining star. Do it, stop, dude. Stop and smell the roses, my friend. All right. I knew you'd say it, Ronnie. I'm going, buddy. Yeah. Go. Oh, Go to the show. Luckily, we're, we all have our skates on. At all times. Anytime it's in between work and having a great time, why wouldn't you just have the great time? How, hasn't Andrew Breitbart taught us anything that you can overwork yourself? Fuck yeah. Do it while you can, people. You got to get it while you can. Miss Janice Joplin was right about that. Gets it. <laughs> this seems like the 
fucking opening of some bad fucking movie starring Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> He's just walking along with a bunch of balloons that he has to deliver while the credits are running. Where is he going? Saying hi to people. Hey! Hey, what's up, man? Thanks, dude! Where you going with those balloons? All right, we got a break here. We get back. Uh, Lyle Lovett. Uh, this album of his, uh, he's got a brand new album out. And uh, it's the last. It's the last album on his record deal that goes back, I believe, 25 years. Jesus. It's very weird. Uh, it's a lot longer than most people's um you know, record deals. You just don't hear about people with those long... Like multi-album things. Yeah, know, relationships never. with uh, with record companies. It's just a thing of the past. Um, so we'll come back and probably... Probably even finish up the show with uh, Lyle Lovett. The nice. name of his album, uh, Hicks, is what? Release Me. And that's available in stores and online at Amazon.com and iTunes. And his, he's going touring this summer. You can go to com for all his tour dates. Really is a terrific sounding album. A lot of covers on there, though. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that when people like him, they stay fans of his forever. Also a great and fun actor. The Robert Altman uh, movies alone. Uh, the Player is one of my favorite of all time. And, and he was in Shortcuts, oh, yeah. which... Tom Waits is also in Shortcuts. Uh, Altman really picked some real characters and stuck with them. So we'll break here, and we'll be back in just a couple moments with Lyle Lovett. Ron Bennington. Fez Watley. This is the Rod and Fez Show.
divided high and low. You got to bear the seed in the dirt, my friend, if you want the thing to grow. Isn't that so? Isn't that so? You have to go where your heart says no. Isn't that so? That's Isn't That So from uh, Release Me, the brand new album by Lyle Lovett. Uh, Lyle's in studio with us now. And for all the accolades that you get as a singer-songwriter, you always have great players with you. Hey, thanks, Ron. You know, I've gotten to work with just some of the greatest musicians in the world. Well, you definitely pick it up on this album. And has that always been an important thing to you from the beginning? uh, There's always this... Real musicality. Well, th- well, thank you very much. Yeah. I-, I tell you, there's nothing more fun than getting to play with people who are really great. You know, and when you get to, when you, get, you get to meet. Uh, you know, the, the, I mean, I, one of the things that I just love about getting to do this for a living is all the really talented and smart people that I get to meet all the time. And and when you when you know when you hit it off with somebody personally and they're a great player, I mean, it's just nothing better than getting to you know play with really good guys. Isn't that an amazing thing too? The thing about music is that there's this language that people can share and you can pick up when people uh, you know as an audience member we can see who connects and who doesn't or we can feel it 
as well. Well, you make real relationships uh, mm-hmm. when you're when you're playing music, and 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 like any other kind of uh, hu- human relationship, you know, some some really click, some are some some can be just professional and 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 do you know uh, and be be a fine relationship, but then there are some that are really special, you know, and those are the people that you end up playing with for years. Uh, and I, I brought this up talking about you being a such a great songwriter and. Texas has always had this phenomenal reputation for that. Just great songwriters coming out of there. Why do you think that is? Why has that always been um, part of the history of Texas? You know, I, I, I don't know, but, but there is a great music tradition from Texas. And certainly the songwriters from Texas that I admire uh, and that I used to go and listen to and that I wanted to try to, you know, that I tried to stand like on stage, like Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt and Stephen Fromholtz and Willis Allen Ramsey and Willie Nelson mm-hmm. uh, and Michael Murphy and Rusty Weir and B.W. Stevenson. The, uh, those guys were just, uh, you know, they were incredible and they were great performers and I could go and see them. And you, these are the guys that you grew up on. You bet. You bet. The, the song The song that you just played was written by... Jesse Winchester, you know, mm-hmm. one of one of the great American songwriters, and and uh, uh, you know, I I love his writing too. I mean, so so I listen to you know lots of stuff coming up, but but the Texas guys, I could actually go and you know, I could go and see them, and that was that was a big deal. And it still hasn't uh, stopped. I mean, there's still great guys pl- uh, coming out of Texas all the time. Well, I I think so, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I'm sure proud to. To to you know be able to represent my home state, uh, you know by talking people from people. Another reason that I think there are a lot of Texas songwriters is that people from Texas usually are you know pretty easy to come to word and are, are yeah. happy happy to tell a story <laughs> in any form whatsoever, you yeah. know, a song or otherwise. But not always, you know. The thing is, they're not always agreeable. They're not always the most agreeable <laughs> people. Which is, just to, to people from New York, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, you cover towns in this yes. uh, too. And I think he's one of those people that his uh, reputation grows every year huh. uh, much more. Um, in comedy, it's Bill Hicks. And I think in music... Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, he's the, the Bill Hicks of, 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 of music. Isn't it strange, too? And both those guys... And I think that they're, they're, it's the fact that they were such complicated huh. uh, fellows, you know. But Townsend's songs, I think, just mean more every single year. Well, it's it's wonderful to see more and more people uh, become aware of Towns and his songs, and and uh, I mean the songs are, you know, they're 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 gems, you know, mm-hmm. that that uh, anyone can appreciate if they take the time to discover them. How tough is it to to compete against yourself as a songwriter? Is it something that? That you try to compete against yourself or hold yourself to a standard, or oh gosh, well I think you have to you have to be able to make yourself you have to be able to make yourself happy in writing a song and 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 you know I don't make I don't write a song just just to do it I mean it has to mean something to me and I have to feel like I have a you know I have to have something that I really want to say you know my, my songs are a combination of of real life and imagination, but usually based and you know, they start out in something real that happens to me and so I'm I'm not a a great, you know, craftsman, uh, the kind of songwriter that can just knock something out if you threw a topic my way. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure I could do that kind of job. So, how do you know when it's time to write a song? Is it just some? Oh, yeah, well, because you can't, you just yeah. can't help it. You know, and in fact, I, I've I've had experiences where I've been busy and you start thinking of an idea and you think, well, I'm gonna, I'll come back to that. But it's just kind of sometimes those ideas won't 
leave you alone and you know a half hour later it's just you've stopped whatever else you're doing and you're sitting there playing is there ever a, a fear though that if you don't stop and take care of it that that song will be gone after that if you if you don't write at the time that it's time to write it you know i, I when i was a kid watching the mike the old mike douglas show on no. tv after school he, i saw him interview buck owens once and and uh, he asked Buck Owens if he how he, how he wrote his songs and and uh, uh, and if he you know if he wrote down the wrote them down as soon as he, he wrote down the words as soon as he thought of them and and uh, Buck Owens said no, he never wrote down lyrics he said I figure if they're good enough I'd remember them is that right and that really stuck with me so I don't I don't worry about it really you know I I think if an idea is solid enough you know it does kind of it sort of keeps coming at you and and uh, you know you just keep. You know, it won't leave you alone. It is such a mysterious process, isn't it? I think I think it is. Yeah. yeah, and out of everything that we have in the arts, I think for some reason songwriting um, stands as the is the real mysterious part of it. I mean, like with a film script or a novel, you're going to spend years with it. But a song, some of our greatest songs that have ever been written, has happened in almost real time. Some of them have happened. In four minutes and twenty seconds, you know. You know that, that's really true. And, and talking about Towns Van Zandt, he he called those kinds of songs sky songs, mm. songs that came down from the sky and just he, he said they, they would come down from the sky and just go right into his arm. That's just phenomenal. <laughs> and I've heard that from people too that some of the greatest songwriters take very little credit for the those songs that were written, uh, you know, uh, uh, any more than just, I guess, being a vessel to it. Uh, but there is something that's just always enlightening about that. Um, the record business, of course, is changing. And after being with your record company for a long time, this is going to be it for you, this last album. Th this is my very last record on my original record deal that I signed back in 1985. My first record came out in 1986. Uh, it was Curb Records, Mike Curb. Curb Records took me to MCA Records in Nashville. Tony Brown talked MCA into uh, taking a chance on me. And uh, so it's been Curb and the Universal Music Group all these years. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really, really proud that they kept me, kept me around to the end yeah. of it, you know. Uh, and the music business, of course, has changed. And most of the people um, that come through here are already off doing their own independent thing. Right. I mean, you're... You know, getting to be one of the last that have that kind of long relationship, uh, but it's great because your audience is there. I'm, you know, you do have an audience. You know, that the, is stuck with you. It's just extraordinary, and to feel that sort of support from people that come to my shows. I mean, I I make a living playing playing on the road. You know, mm -hmm. and and uh, you know that people turn up and that people ask for songs and people know my songs. You know, that's just a great feeling. And you've never lost that? You've, it's still the same kind of thrill as when you were younger? Oh, I, lo I love getting to play and sing. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and a lot of that is because of the people I get to work with, because of the talented musicians, and because, you know, it just feels fresh every time. I, you know, my arrangements aren't so strict that they require the guys in the band to play the same thing from night to night. I mean, I, I, I think it's really important to allow for spontaneity and allow for things to naturally happen in the course of a show in front of an audience you know the, mm -hmm. you know some audiences are you know you they they you know there's it's such a relationship that you have on stage uh, uh in in a theater between between the band and the and the audience you know things can 
uh, can really escalate in nice ways sometimes. And I think I think it's important to to be flexible enough to allow for that. I always think that there's too there's something about the audience. Uh, you know, from an audience point of view, with a Ben, you can tell sometimes when it clicks as well from there and that you'll see that the band is enjoying it more and everybody's connecting and then sometimes that'll float away and it may come back or it may not but there are magical nights there are magical nights absolutely the truth you know i I think you have to have a there's there's a certain level of proficiency in your in your set that you that you have to have you know from beginning to end but and sometimes the show you know, just has to come from the stage. You have to just put it out there, mm-hmm. and and you don't always get the kind of energy back from it. And it can and it can have to do with the the venue as well. Sure, you, know, you can't you can't always feel it coming back to you. And in that case, it it, it has, still has to be of a certain standard. But the nights that it does come back to you from the audience, uh, it is it's a wonderful feeling. And no idea why why maybe it's six people in the audience kind of. You know, picking up each parts of the crowd. Who knows why? That's exactly right. Um, but it does come. Uh, it does have a church feeling some nights. Amen. You know. Um, <laughs> so this is. Um, you, there's never been anything else that you wanted to do. I know you've done some acting and stuff, but right, was, and, that, and that's really just come about because of my playing and singing, and mm-hmm. and uh, and those have been. I've had some extraordinary. Extraordinary experiences getting to to act, you know, working in those Robert Altman films, working with Don Roos in the film that he wrote and directed. Uh, but you know, what I love to do is to play and sing, and and I I enjoy, you know, I enjoy getting to do. It, it's fun anytime you get to do something creative with somebody who's really smart and has an idea uh, that's a really good one. I mean, it's you learn something. Yeah, and I, and I love that. Um, and particularly now with Altman, um, and again as years go by, we get to just appreciate it even more. Um, those films are going to be around forever. Mm. Um, to just play any part in that, you know, to, exactly. To, to, to be a part of his family and to be a part, just a part of his process, to be able to witness his process. He, gosh, one one of the many things that I learned from Altman was was just to be confident in your idea. You know, if you if you have a good idea, you can just just go for it, basically. And 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 uh, he had the kind of confidence he didn't. You know, he was comfortable with anybody watching him work at any point in his process. Uh, he was uh, he just was extraordinarily confident in what he was doing, and 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 uh, because of that, you know, you could, he you could walk into the middle of editing, you could walk into the middle of anything he was doing, and he'd say, hey, "Come uh, come on in, we're just doing such and such," and you could just soak up as much as you wanted. Isn't that an interesting thing? Because not everybody can work that way. Not everybody can work yeah. that way. Not you know, people. Most people don't work that way. Um, but but confidence has got to do a lot for, I guess, your stage work as well, too, right? Well, you you have to you know to to walk out there. You have to there's yeah. a, and and I you know I I gain strength from the people I work with and and from years of years of doing it, but. But uh, but yeah, there's a certain you, know, you have to you have to be able to believe that you can handle it if you walk out there. Has there been any other types of uh, because one of the things I think that's interesting about this uh, album is that it goes in so many different directions. Some of it, um, you know, real country, and some of it folk, and then you jump into some Lutheran stuff even <laughs> in this well you know th- this album uh, uh was I, it was important to me uh, that this album not be contrived in any way uh, that the songs on this album be 
a part of my life and my career over that you know over the course of my career excuse me uh most of the songs on this record are songs that I played when I first started playing mm-hmm. uh and er, early on when when I was still writing my first song so, until I had enough of my own songs uh, together to play an entire set of my own songs um a, uh, that version of Brown Eyed Handsome Man I started playing in 1976. I learned uh, White Boy Lost in the Blues from my friend Tom Elskis, who who told me about the Sonny Terry Brown and McGee album that he had learned it from, which I ran out and bought immediately. I, I learned that in 1978. Uh, the the two blues songs, uh, old blues songs on the on the record, Keep It Clean, written by Charlie Jordan, and One Way Gal, written by William Moore. I learned from a wonderful acoustic blues player named John Gramato that I'd get to open shows for down in Houston. Uh, and uh, and then I heard John play a song he wrote called Dress of Laces, and I learned all three of those songs in 1978. Uh, the title song, Release Me, I, I just couldn't resist the joke of it since yeah. it's my last last record. And, and I met Katie Lang in 19... 19- 86, uh, just shortly after her first record came out in 1985. And we'd go to, we got shuttled around to a lot of those new, you know, new artist things together. And we yeah. got to be friends. We did a tour in 1988. Uh, we toured again in 2005. We've stayed friends all these years. And I just always dreamed of singing a classic country song with her because of her appreciation for traditional country music. Um, the, the, the Luther, the hymn is a, you know, that's a, I grew up, I went to Lutheran school, uh, uh, we sang every day and it's really where I've started singing. And that's just was one of my favorite hymns. We were recording that day. It was a Sunday and we were recording at the, at the Blue Rock Studios down in Wimberley, Texas. And we were out in the Texas Hill Country and it was so quiet and peaceful. And Matt Rawlings, our piano player, was the first person to get there and, uh, so we, I, you know, I, I actually had my old hymnal with me and I took it out and, and uh, I asked him to play through it. And, and so we just decided to roll, roll tape, roll the digital medium. Well, what a sentimental uh, journey for you to take everybody through, too, because uh, these, you know, it's coming full circle. Well, and, and I, I wanted to sort of, you know, uh, since it was the, uh, I wanted it to feel like the, you know the the end of something, mm. and uh, and I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know if, uh, how I'll pursue my recording or you know what what I'll do. But but uh, I, I did you know I am really truly grateful uh, for the career I've had, and and you know feel really proud that that I I was able to keep my record deal all these years. KD's record deal is is Katie is the same as me. Her first record came out in 1985, and she is uh, she's finishing her last record on her deal with uh the the Warner's family. Uh she's on she's on Nonsuch now and mm-hmm. uh and so she stayed in the Warner's family this whole time too. So uh she and I have similar feelings about it. I think the other interesting thing too we're talking to you about as songwriter is that when you have a set of these kind of songs and you went out and found them, when you started songwriting, you had to make sure that th- these songs had to fit in. And had to be good enough to make it, I guess, right? Well, yeah. gosh, you know, when you play, when you play great, great songs, you know, when you, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Franks wrote "White Boy Lost in the Blues," Chuck Berry wrote "Brown Eyed Handsome Man." Uh, to play uh, a Townsend Zant song like "White Freight Liner Blues," 
Yeah, to, to slip your own songs in there, it's a little scary. Yeah, it's kind of a ballsy move, like, all right, and here's the next one, folks. Um, Chuck Berry is still, you know, to sit back and think about what he did early on and where he came from and the fact that almost in America we've forgotten how much that man has has changed music for a generation. Uh, incredible. Mm. Incredible uh, insight uh, and uh, just so smart. I mean, the, the lyrics to Brown Eyed Handsome Man, I mean, gosh, I mean, they're, it's just, it's a very forward thinking lyric and, uh, you know, very subtle and, you know, full of great humor. And, and just the amount of people who that man moved to change their life. I mean, certainly an entire generation and the generation after him you know i mean the beatles and stones were directly connected to that exactly. so for all that youth culture that you know came after you've really got to take it back to chuck and to sit around in this country where i don't know i don't i don't know if we realize that something this precious is still here with us mm -hmm. you know yeah, well that's that's exactly right I, truly a, a, a national treasure mm -hmm. I, I got to meet him once uh, at the uh, uh, 92 the rock and roll Hall of Fame Awards when they still had him here in New York. Mm -hmm. I got to uh, I got to induct uh, give the induction speech for for Johnny Cash, which was uh, you know I'll never forget that as long as I live. But we, I was I was at the at the Waldorf here in town, and the, they were moving us from one room to another, and, and it was you know got it was going up some steps, and and there was Chuck Berry right mm -hmm. you know like right next to me, and and I, I said Mr. Berry, you're an inspiration to us all, and he he looked at me, he said. I do my best. <laughs> I'm sure he does hear that. I'm sure he's heard that from I'm sure he has. a few musicians. But just the fact that you you know you're with Cash and Chuck Berry in the same night is almost insane. Incredible. Yeah, just incredible. What was it like to have a guy like Cash just accept you uh, like that? Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You know, un unbelievable. Just so gracious, and you know that it was th thrilling to me to when I first went to Nashville in 1984. And started meeting people. I was just so thrilled to meet people that I admired, uh, and and to have a chance to actually spend time with people that you admire, and to watch them work, and to really, you know, to see it all, to to see to to, to connect all the dots, you know, to 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 realize that, gosh, the reason that they are iconic, the reason that their their songs are so good, the reasons that, the reason that they they're such great performers. It, you know, it, 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 it all makes sense. You, know, yeah. you watch them work and you you see that it's no accident. Well, that's the funny thing about it. I think that we've kind of taken our eye off the ball in this country is that we pay attention to everything, the celebrity stuff that's on the other side of the work, but it really comes back to the work itself, you know, not the size of somebody's house or you know, where, I don't know what pants they happen to be wearing that week, you know? <laughs> it's insane what we're now paying attention to. You know, it, it, it's really true. It, it is truly about the work itself. Yeah. And and uh, and that's, you know, when I step on stage with, you know, with the guys that I play with, you know, I get to stand in front of Russ Kunkel and he's playing drums. I, you know, sometimes he'll play a drum fill in the middle of, that he's never played before in the middle of one of the songs. I just want to turn around and just want to, just want to turn around and clap right in the middle of the song. Yeah. <laughs> That's great that to, to, to still feel that way about the music too. And the other, you know, interesting thing of being able to improvise like that is that it does take it into, 
you know, another type of American music. It's always still like a jazz thing that ties in with that. You know, songs are written, but I, you know, I think they're, you know, they, they, you know, they can be alive every time you play. Sure. Yeah. And that's why covering songs is really still interesting. That at some point we forgot that the fact of, you know, that song is a story. Mm -hmm. And just like a Shakespearean play can be changed depending on the actors, so can these songs by by the intensity of that night. Well, exactly, exactly. Because every time you perform, you know, every time you perform one of those songs, I mean, you you know, you you bring those characters in the songs uh, to life. I mean, mm-hmm. you have a chance to be those characters, and 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 so. Uh, you know how 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 you are on a given night. The ener- energy the crowd has on a given night. It can it's a it's a, a dynamic and and it does it's not the same from performance to performance. And the other beauty of that has nothing to do with the recording business. You know what I mean? Like it is a separate business. It's a separate business from writing. It's a separate business from recording and all the marketing. Um, and you know we were bringing up cash. And, you know, you try to look at a career. Who would have thought that the final records of his lifetime would have been so brilliant and so completely unique uh, of what, you know, what he ended up doing? Exactly. Those final albums are just... I could listen to them forever and probably will. I'm probably listening to those albums for the rest of my life. You know, those those records show that he was creative uh, he was always looking for you know what to do mm-hmm. next he was always in- interested always interested yeah you know that's that's really something when you've had a career you, you, you and that that's gosh that's something that I, that I notice among uh, iconic people you know that you you would think gosh they wouldn't have to do anything for the rest of their of their lives but yeah. they but they want to you know yeah. they they want to they keep pushing they keep looking for that next thing and the other mysterious part about uh, music is that here he was as his body was giving out on him, his voice was giving out on him. The one thing that never gave out was the soul. Mm. You know what I mean? And the soul was perhaps even more powerful yeah. than when he was younger and had, you know, so much talent, so much that he could rely on. Well, and that's what's important uh, in in any m- m- musical presentation, isn't? It? I mean, it's the it's the emotion that. Uh, is is uh, that comes through the 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 technical aspects of music. I mean, uh, you know, music can be aw- awfully uh, technical, but it's it's that soul that brings it to life, and it's the soul that that you communicate. I think, and it, with, without that, I mean, you can be technically great, but if you do, if you don't communicate the emotion of what you're playing, then it's not you know it doesn't mean as much. Uh, the new album is Release Me. It's available in stores now. And online at Amazon.com and iTunes. And you can also check out tour dates at LyleLoveIt.com. You're going to be out all summer now? You know, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a pleasure to have you come by today. Thanks for having me on. Chance you, to get the you talk. Guys, I tell you, people tell me they listen to your show. And, you know, it just means a lot to me that you play my stuff. Thank you. Uh, thanks.
Washington. Fez Watley. This is the Rod and Fez 